0: Beer is proof that God loves us and wants us to be happy. Three, two, one. Welcome back to the Go to Hell Podcast. Strong opinions, weekly held about Christianity, the church, and beer. I'm your host, Tim Curley. I'm joined by my co-host, Colton Pierce. Colton, how
1: is it going? Uh, okay. Um, I don't know. We kind of talked about it uh, a little bit ago. I was just saying I'm kind of in a funk. I don't know why. Uh, just been meh. I haven't been like moody or anything, but I've just been kind of in some sort of blues state. I don't know. Um. Over the past few days. Maybe it's uh maybe it's been my lack of social interaction over the past couple of days. I mean we went and we had a social thing uh over the weekend, but since then haven't really had one. Yeah, you were with a
0: hundred thousand people.
1: I was with a hundred thousand people, but I wasn't like with them, you know. Uh so um I'm doing well. Uh besides that, I don't know what's going on with the funk. I do go back to work on Monday, maybe that's just what it is. I'm just like, oh man. Um, I, but I think that actually I'm probably more excited about going back to work just to get back to getting in a routine. I usually get this way on my breaks. There's something to be said. My grandparents were here a couple last week, actually. Um, and they talked about, um, cause I'll be retiring when I'm 54. Uh, I don't see myself trying to push myself to continue teaching until I'm 64, uh, shout out to the people that do the forty-year uh, teaching gig, but uh, I don't think that people were meant to work their lives away necessarily. So if you're able to um, retire and whatever happens, that's what, whatever. Anyways, I think um, people are
0: supposed to work. I just I don't think I think people lose effectiveness after a while at a certain job. It takes a lot of work, very intentional. Uh being very intentional in trying to update yourself in if you do a job for a long time now i'm you know I've been doing the same job since ninety three ninety two so but I have to be intentional about trying to update myself and make the job exciting and not a rut so I think teachers very much can get a rut so
1: well and i my grandparents were just they said just if you retire, you need to find something for yourself to do like um they're like you can't you need to go in with a plan of you're going to be doing something um whether it's you know you're going out and you're golfing every day or they're like if you could afford that you know uh or you're you take up woodworking or something to where it's you're doing something every day and you find a lot of joy and a passion in that um because that's what it means like people were are meant to live um and live means experiencing our world every single day. We're not supposed to just sit there on the couch and just watch TV and just sleep in every day. And that's when people actually, that we found, that's when people die. <laughs> like, you know, is if you're sitting there and you are staying out of that stuff um, or if you are purposely removing yourself from different situations, then you're gonna end up that way. So, uh, so that being said, uh, I'm very mindful of that. So during breaks, and especially like, I'm not coaching water polo right now, I'm not doing anything. It's just like, there's not, I am taking care of my daughter each day. That is a job and, and, a, and a responsibility, but I don't know. She doesn't really interact with me. So looking forward to get, getting back to some interaction next week. So uh, how are you, Tim? Uh, doing pretty well. Uh, getting back into the
0: swing of work after being off for a week, 10 days, uh, scheduled being off and then also had the flu. So you must be a man of leisure. I am a man of leisure. (laughs) (laughs) Even when I work, I'm hardly working. Um, this is not complicated (laughs) work that I do. Um. Which is why I enjoy going on these trips, like we did over the weekend, and then the Vegas trips, uh, the NASCAR trips, because it keeps me fresh, and uh, I think it shows the photographers that I manage that I know what the hell I'm talking about, and I'm actually pretty damn good at it. So, and the other, I think that matters to be able to be like, oh yeah, this guy can actually do the job. So. Uh, He's not a glorified paper pusher. So, because I'll put my editing, photo editing skills up against anybody. So,
1: yeah, and it was nice. I mean, as somebody who works with, uh, who's gone with you a couple times now, uh, it's nice to see that the photographers respect you and they, um, and they uh, appreciate the work that you do. Um, It doesn't seem like you overbear anybody in the room when you get there. You just say, hey, these are the, you talk to them about what the plan could possibly be and that kind of stuff, and people go and they find it and they do what they're supposed to do and and they enjoy it. Everybody's extremely professional and you don't seem too over intimidating or anything, but I think that they respect the hell out of your leadership and they appreciate what it is that you do. So um, it's always kind of cool to see, um, just and I think also it it makes you tangible. It makes you a real person as well, you know, because you know you talk about how. You have photographers all over the country, all over the world, but it's like at the end of the day, you know who actually gets to see you on a regular basis, and and these guys do, and it's or and maybe they don't get to see you on a regular basis, but it's still something that's tangible and that they trust you, and they develop that through what it is that you're doing.
0: Yeah, so we haven't actually. So Colton and I, along with my wife, went down to Los Angeles and did the Rose Bowl, the CFP semi, CFP, CFP. Yeah. CFP semifinal at the Rose Bowl game was the official name. So it was the Michigan Alabama College Football game at the Rose Bowl. And uh uh I was editing and Colton and my wife were uh running cards basi- uh, basically the photographers uh hand over their memory cards. And then um I access those during the game um, to edit the pictures and send them out. So there, I spent probably a third of the game myself out on the field, uh, and then the rest of the time in inside the the bowels of the Rose Bowl, uh, sending out. I think we sent out just about 200 photos that night. Um, we'd sent out about 180. I had sent out about 180 between there. We had three photographers there, so. Um, And it was all pretty much just important plays. There was a few things here and there. There was a moment uh, early on in the game. It was the first TV timeout. Uh, So it was like five minutes into the game. um, One of our photographers and uh, one of my employees, my only employee, actually, Chris, was in front of me. And I leaned over, and I the light at the Rose Bowl is always phenomenal. I, I can't remember the last time. It's rained, I think, once that I can remember in my lifetime on a Rose Bowl day.
1: Um, Wasn't that last year? Was that it rained last year
0: for the Rose Bowl? I, I think it rained in the morning, but it, I can't remember the last time. It's rained during the during, game. Got you, got you. um gotcha, gotcha. There's been times where it's rained in the morning for the parade, or it's rained the night before, or it's rained in the middle of the night. But for some reason, Pasadena, January 1st or January 2nd, the rare times is January the 2nd. Skies is, it's just, the skies are open up. blue, and it was nice, uh, nice skies. And when they, they play it, I think they intentionally play at a time so that the light looks really nice um, on television. Um, and so... I'm standing there, and the light on the not the the uh, east side of the Rose Bowl is just really nice and kind of yellowish orange. And so I lean down to Chris and say, "Hey, look! When they on the next when they restart the game, uh, widen out your lens, just really wide. Get the offense and the defense because he was kind of parallel, so you could see both the offense and the defense. Uh, widen it out, and just just get crowd." As much as the crowd, and which was all guys. the Alabama fans, by the way. Yeah, that, yeah, he was actually, you're correct. He was looking at the Alabama side at that point. Um, but it just, it, I think he was able to shoot no, the north side and the south side with the because he took several angles, but it just made for a really nice, like, the, it, I, I could see that as a photo that was going to sell for a couple, for. A lot of years when people are doing books and stuff like that. Like, here's what the Rose Bowl game looks like. And it ended up being probably a memorable, iconic game in the history of the Rose Bowl and the playoffs. So it'll, those pictures will sell for years also. So anyway, uh, yeah, so it was a good day. I, I there was one moment, I think it was maybe the end of the first quarter. My wife came in with one of the photographer's cards and, um, she said, "John asked me if I'd if you'd said anything." And I looked at her. And I said, "No." I'm, and she said, "No, I told him he hasn't said anything." And so John's one of our photographers. John said to her, "Well, good. That means I'm probably doing a really good job. Otherwise, he'd be swearing and cursing my name and telling you to, you know, tell John to stop messing around." So, um, which is true, that will happen, but it rarely does. Like you said, I try to treat. I I don't like doing the boss relationship. First of all, most of these people are contractors, so it's really not my place to treat them like that. Um, But second of all, even if I I just, I don't like, I frankly don't like managing anybody. I don't like managing children. I I don't. I don't like, because part of it is I just, I'm kind of lazy in that way if I'm really being honest. But it's also, you don't want me managing you because if I do, then dick asshole tim's gonna kick in it's just like this is the way we're gonna do it we're gonna do it this way there's no arguing about it if you got a problem with it then you can shut the hell up and get out of here or you know go to your room or whatever so i don't you don't want me in charge and i much prefer particularly in the business setting of just professionals being professionals and i don't need to micromanage you so there's there are occasions you've seen them at the nascar track where you can it seems like everybody's like no actually we'd like some guidance here and so in those instances i step in and say this is what we're gonna do
1: well and i've also seen like uh like i think the first year that we did the sonoma race i do remember you talking to the photographers about the rule of fits um oh yeah the then, rule of thirds yeah th- th- thirds and then you also were talking about uh and maybe it's a part of the rule of thirds, but you talk about – I think you talk to them about – I don't know. You, you've you mentioned it several times about – I don't know. How do you describe what it is that you're talking about? There's something about where they focus on the ball or something. Like if they're if they're shooting like a football game or something, they're focused on the ball or the, the play, but they miss like the why or whatever oh. else is going oh, on.
0: Oh, yeah. So there's a phrase – I stole it from The Wire, but The Wire got it. It's it's uh, it's. I don't would say it's a common phrase, but it's a phrase. It's a known phrase, and The Wire included in the show. It's uh, soft eyes, and in the show The Wire, it was uh, one cop telling the other, uh, uh, one det- uh, seasoned detective telling a n- new detective, like when you go to a crime scene, you gotta have soft eyes. You can't get focused like, oh, there's four bullets on the ground. Like, you gotta zoom out and just. Not focus on anything because it's in those situations where you all of a sudden realize, oh, there's this new thing to focus on. And so I've been, so I adopted that with photographers because a lot of times they'll get honed in on like, oh, I've got to just shoot the game action and stuff like that. And meanwhile, uh, what I was using it for at the NASCAR races, yeah, you can shoot the, you can shoot cars going around, but do it in the context, particularly when we're doing it, where it's the racetrack of framing the wall having the the background behind you and in some instances you shoot the background and you just get like impressions of cars but you use the track around you to frame the photo so you use like track signage on the wall or the whatever the sponsor is because and, and so it's not just like i'm just gonna go and just start shooting car photos um and so it's also the case at game, like football games um and the what i did with chris was a perfect example of that of just kind of like zooming out for a minute being like oh wait wait a minute it's three o'clock in pasadena glorious day uh right amount of cloud coverage just kind of give some shadows and stuff and it's the time of year where it's not like summer bright light that just overcooks photos just like i said really nice and just like We need to photograph this. We need to take a step back and not be concerned about just covering the game. But get some pictures that represent the game in a general sense. The Rose Bowl itself. So, um, yeah. So, a little photography. I don't know. That's not 101. It's probably like 501. But um, that's kind of what my job. That's the interesting part of my job. Uh, I'm not one... During the week, that likes editing photos, but when I'm at a big event like that and I'm editing for photographers and stuff's pumping through really quick, and um, you're trying to cover big plays or, or get interesting photos out, it, it is it is why I got in the business. It reminds me of like, oh yeah, this is why you got into the business when you were in college, so and stopped uh, studying constitutional law. So we're now 15 minutes in So welcome to Welcome to Photography Talk On NPR <laughs> uh, So anyway yeah, 60 so, minutes But uh, Yeah you, you and I had a great time The Rose the Rose Bowl Is always fantastic uh, They just seem to have A culture built into that The Tournament of Roses That I don't care Who the leader is Who's actually the CEO Running the show They've just got Hospitality number one uh, for not only the fans, but for us, the media, we, you know, a few hiccups here and there, but generally, you know, we got treated ex- exceptionally well. We got like royalty, we, man. We, we got gifts. Each member of the media got a, a free gift that was basically like a 60, $80 Nike sweatshirt that had the Rose Bowl and the CFP logo on it. I mean, that that's absurd right there. Um
1: NASCAR. And, Take notes.
0: Yeah, NASCAR. Take notes. Uh, NASCAR. All we get are uh, patches. We get yeah, we get <laughs> patches and, and uh, paper credentials. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then uh, you know they you know food's pretty good for free food media food was yeah, pretty it was good. And- I
1: was like. Honestly, it um, beat out the Coliseum, so that's I've yeah. never
0: come <laughs> back from an event like that where like, man, I, you know, I didn't eat enough. It's always usually like, damn, I ate way too much because it's just like free food and I'm
1: Well, and they get they threw a party for us the They threw a
0: before. party the night before at a brewery of all places, Boomtown Brewery.
1: Yeah, sorry Boomtown, you're not getting much love.
0: Yeah, one, yeah.
1: Nope. I Peter, was I was positive to say. i have so <laughs>
0: I was so looking forward to glowing, uh, giving a glowing review, but the beer was...
1: Mediocre at best. It was... I, I
0: was yeah, it was probably mediocre at <laughs> best. Um, th- the first beer we had was really rough to drink. It was just... It had too much flavor, uh, which was funny because the description was the opposite. And I kept getting tripped up by the... Uh, every time Cole was like, what do you want? I was like, I want to try this. That's what we just had. Because the description was like, it's crisp and subtle. And I was like, no, this, this beer is anything but. It's very dry and very... Uh, so, um, and then we had... I think the best beer we had was a pale ale. Yeah, the pale ale
1: was their best. And then,
0: and then I ended up getting a shirt. If I had... And which, but even in that transaction, I got hosed. Even I got hosed though, because so there's they had uh, they had a really cool. They had two cool shirts, but one was white, and I you were like, "There's no way I'm going to buy a white shirt." Totally agree. (laughs) Totally agree.
1: I'm too messy of an eater. (laughs) I'm also stark white myself, so it just looks like I'm running. So they had these.
0: uh, They had these shirts. They had a white shirt and a Dodger blue shirt with their boomtown uh, logo on it and the D- boomtown logo looked uh, similar to the dodger logo um they weren't just straight t-shirts either they kind of had like a jersey t-shirt kind of feel to it um they even had like their logo or some some kind of logo on the sleeve so we were both like oh those are awesome we're, we're gonna get those and i got up there and i was like oh, I, we can't buy the same shirt i'm not buying the same shirt <laughs> And I then noticed. I noticed, and then I noticed, I was like, "Oh, they've got an LA Kings version, so I'll I'll get the black LA Kings version. Colton could get the blue one, and we'll be happy." So I'm buy, I purchased mine, and then Colton goes, "Oh, they're out of the large." I'm like, "I just got fucked," <laughs> which I probably should have just said, "Can I get the blue? They it's the same price, but um, yeah." So just got a hose all the way
1: around. That's how it goes, I guess. Uh, uh, do we have any what the X this week? Yeah. Actually do. What? the X? 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 Okay, so there you are. That's right. I run. Says I wanna hide it. It says I wanna run on the front and it says I wanna hide on the back. I want to hide. It's a very subtle concert t shirt and I love it. I Although lots of people, especially knowing who my father is, they ask me all the time, uh, <laughs> they're like, oh, so you're a runner. No. Nope. <laughs> okay.
0: Number one, this is going to
1: be – I'm going to enjoy this one because this is certainly a issue in the church. Hey, by the way, if we don't enjoy this beer, it's our fault because we didn't enjoy it by the enjoyment. <laughs> That's right. It's, it's not fresh by three days. It's,
0: it's, it's exceeded its freshness state by three days. Okay. All going. right. Uh, a church member recently asked me, what's the hardest part about being a pastor? My answer – Walking with people through a major life issue only for them to leave the church at some point over something petty, often without ever talking to you.
1: Hmm. That person sounds like they've got something going on. I don't know. I've I've felt that way with friends before. You know, where it's like you, you walk through some stuff with them and but leaving the church, leaving the mission or – did you put too much head on yours? I did. Also, you're getting the bottom half. I got to pour mine first. so That means you're probably getting all the sediment. That's okay. I'm, I'm
0: less opposed to it as you, than you are. You don't like floating things in your beer. I mean, I I think just visually if I don't see it, like it, it's not that bad. But Yeah, it's three days expired. For sure. Uh, It's pretty tasty.
1: It is. Um, Yeah, I think it's tough, uh, which, by the way, we're drinking the Stone Drink Enjoy by 1-1. Their Enjoy By series is actually really good. If you're opposed to Hazy's, they don't actually really taste hazy. No. Um, they're uh, usually I, – They're I hazy in color. They're in hazy in color and I think that's why they but... – And I think that they don't filter them. So that's just – They say, all right, it's a hazy and they send it out. But they usually have a West Coast kind of flavor profile to them.
0: Yeah, there's nothing
1: tropical or juicy, juicy about that at Nope, all. nope. Um, yeah, I think that that's really tough. I have – I don't agree that that would be the hardest thing about being a pastor, but I don't know. I, I haven't been in that and that sounds like somebody who's coming from a place of hurt, honestly. So I don't know. Your thoughts, Tim?
0: Uh, well, keep in mind, uh, I think my personal experience I've always been in large churches and I just, I never knew it. Uh, and I don't know how many people, obviously, the vast majority of churches are not large churches. I mean, large churches, I think the, the definition of a large church is over 400, I think. Um, now, there's a lot of large churches that are now taking up the church population because people are being attracted to large churches because I think large churches are managed by the kind of person you and I like as a pastor. It's somebody who can manage an organization, sets a mission and vision, has a, um, they are not personable people. They are probably an introvert, but they are very good on stage when they're talking to, they're very good on stage, talking to a lot of people. They are not someone you want come into your house when you're on deathbed um they're that's not them they are or they could as easily be running a mid-sized to small or even maybe a large corporation as they could be running running a church um <laughs> they're basically a tech guru they have all of the uh they have all of the uh, charisma of a tech guru. They just have me running a church. I think a lot of people gravitate towards that. In fact, one of the photographers that we were working with this weekend, I didn't know he went to church. Um, Saddleback. Um, and we asked. So it came. he brought it up,
1: bringing his He's a big Rick new Warren kid guy.
0: to church and – um, well, I was gonna ask. Him we should,
1: yeah, we should have asked him how he felt about the woman pastor.
0: Yeah, should. have. Oh, I, wow. I, it was on my mind. I was like, eh, I don't feel like this is the place to do it. But I, at some point, I, I will. knew
1: there was something that I wanted to ask about Saddleback, and I was like, so, how, and so I was how gonna was ask new? about Rick, but I was like, no, he's not there, right? Like, I would not have him?
0: brought up Rick because my wife despises him, so she, I, I don't think she could have hidden the look of disdain on her face if I had mentioned Rick Warren's name. Wow. She, she would have been like. Ugh. And then that would have brought up a whole... But anyway, he was like, yeah, we go to Saddleback. Oh, cool. And y- you and I were like, oh, cool. Like, hmm. Like, and then it was awkward. It's like, oh, cool.
1: And partially it was just, oh, cool, because I had no idea... Yeah, I asked if he went to the main campus or if they go I had to no idea. the satellite campus. I'll just say his name.
0: I had no idea Brian even went to church. Yeah. Uh, the way Brian talks and kind of looks, I could have just assumed... And I'm not great with last names. I could have just assumed he was
1: Jewish as he was, like, Christian. It's the bald spot on the back of the head. No, no, it? no. It was – uh anyway. If Brian ever listens to this, Brian, I'm sorry about the bald spot on the back of your head thing. But Danica was Frankly, like – I didn't even notice it. D- Danica says, she goes, I can't find him anywhere. And I'm like – I've got a very specific date that I'm looking out for. When it Whoa, comes, I mean, I told well, Chris, I was looking for his floppy hat. The hard part was when I couldn't find him anymore. He had taken it off because it's it right. fucking nighttime. I was yeah, like, so, so it like, wasn't wearing it we're anymore. Back to
0: the game. There's hundreds of people on the sideline. <laughs> yeah, and to then three people in a stack.
1: And then he's like, I can't find him. And two
0: I of like, them are very tall. <laughs> yes, but they're but they're low. But they but they're are down on their knees, probably. Um, so anyway. So I was like, oh, Brian goes to church. And again, you know, I think the hard part for you and me, well, maybe not. I'll speak for myself. I'm now in the spot where like, oh, great. He goes to church. That doesn't mean he's a Christian, which is probably just, I shouldn't even think that. It's just like, just assume they're going to church. They're a Christian. So anyway, so where do you go? Saddleback. Okay. Cool. Still not convinced. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, all right. So just, like, I roll. <laughs>
1: uh...
0: uh Anyway, Let me guess—you came through so Doug it, Fields I, I, Youth so Ministry. There's a reason why I brought it up, so we're not just shitting on Saddleback or trying to make our friend Brian feel bad. He said they they were going to a smaller church. Yeah, they do, they do. And they liked the community of it, but they could not stand the pastors. And I think that's the problem with. I think that might be when we've stumbled again, once again into a discussion about why the church is crumbling. I think it's hard to find the talented the kind of talented people you need to find at a small church because those folks don't want to work at a 60 100 120 180 size church. They want to work at a big church. They want to be in at a place where things are happening and I'm not saying this is I'm not trying to make this sound like these are terrible people like looking for the limelight. It's just You want to feel like you're at the place where hip things are happening, the kingdom's happening, and it's much easier to feel that at a place that's got 400, 600, 1,000, 2,000, 3,000. Now, where the church needs to get honest is those kind of places have their downsides as well, which a lot of it's leading the pastors into uh, really bad situations where they fall in love with themselves and, and forget who's in charge and what they're serving. um. But anyway, so I, so to get back to the X post, I would, I don't know. I have, I'm of two minds. Part of me is like, dude, I think you're in this, <laughs> this guy kind of reminds us of somebody we know of. You're too, a little too worried about what people think about you. And not just like, okay, people have left. Like,
1: Yeah, well, and also, I mean, what I think is, I think of scripture where he says, you know, you got to shake the dust off your feet and understand that what you are doing is, yes, I, we understand that it's a calling and there's a passion um, to what it is that you do. But and even if you are highly invested in, like you said, like if you're the, the type of pastor that's at somebody's deathbed or whatever, um, or they do the house visits and that kind of stuff. You should not be building your self-worth based off of – and I don't think that this is true with – I don't think that you should do this with anybody where you are – where your self-worth is determined on – where it's transactional. Correct. And that's what it seems like from this situation where I'm like, you're coming from a place of hurt and don't get me wrong – humans are transactional we are like we want i do this you do this for me but actually that's a very shallow relationship um and
0: well, so well y- i put it this way it's hard to train your brain and your sp- the your mental and spiritual side to be both well i guess in the same in in you're saying it in a very clinic uh, succinct way but it makes it sound worse than i think what it comes across as like oh it's clinical or uh uh, transactional but that's the perfect word for it but it it sounds like pejorative when you're saying it but yes you have to train your brain of being like i'm going to as a pastor or even a lay leader just i'm a lay leader i'm not being paid here but i'm like i'm part of a church i'm part of the leadership i'm meeting with people on a regular basis you have to be Train yourself to be like, I'm going to pour out into you and expect nothing in return. And that's really hard. But I think that's what you've really got to train yourself to do. Of just, And so that it doesn't be like, oh, and you take it personal that someone left. Or in this case, even what this is like, they left and didn't tell me why they're leaving, which, which is my other response is, guess what? A lot of people don't leave the church because they got hurt or something. They just left, as we've talked about in previous episodes, just because life happened. Yeah. And then the other thing is, even if something did happen. Do you really expect someone to like walk into your office and be like, so just so you know, I'm leaving and I'm leaving on these grounds and. We're going to have a conversation about it. And then that's just, you know, I guess in an ideal world, you'd love that. But do pastors ever have that conversation? Really? Do they really sit down with the church that they're leaving and taking another job and be like, you know, I'm actually I'm leaving and taking this other job because it's bigger and they have more money. And you guys are smaller. No, you just leave and you tell everybody everything's great. I'm just moving on to the next job. So I don't, you know, this level of honesty that you're wanting, like, I want someone to tell me why they're leaving. It's like,
1: yeah, But I don't think that that's going to do anything. No, I don't either. And I think, I don't know. So I've got, I've got a couple things. I've got two. One on that note, because I don't want to forget it, is, again, I think that's about them. It's about. It's about you more than it is anybody else where it's, you know, it's about why are you leaving me? Um, And I mean like it's the whole like – you see this with families sometimes where like the dad and the mom, you know, they make the children feel guilty about leaving the home or, or right. leaving and going somewhere else and and that's – one of the things that they have, one of those problems and something that you've ran into with a pastor at with the pastor that we've talked about on this podcast numerous times where, you know, they believe that they can console or, you know, they don't understand even when you're telling them blatantly to their face. It's this this idea they believe that they're living in this perfect world and that they don't want They've to... done everything that they can to hold right. you here and the, and you're not reciprocating it and it's like, "No, you've been you haven't listened to a word that I've said this entire time." You are
0: you're leaving cuz you don't you won't listen to me explain whatever I want to explain. It's right. Like, and no, there's it's there's, just, there's just... a
1: number of reasons of why people leave the church or why they leave a specific church and maybe this person's talking about leaving the faith and they poured as much into them as they possibly could, but again, that's where we talk about scripture where it's like you shake the dust off your feet. Right. The other thing is something for food for thought for anybody that's listening to this podcast is there are three different types of friendship that are outlined by Aristotle. Aristotle talks about the first one is he talks about you have the transactional relationship friendship. It's a reality of our world. We can't ever sit there and say that that doesn't exist. As much as we, as much as Hollywood doesn't idolize or whatever, you have to acknowledge that in your life you have transactional relationships. Sure, it's
0: most, it's you know business relationships. I was like certain business relationships. A large majority of them. But also there's also personal relationships that are there.
1: Personal relationships are transactional. The next level of relationships is what you have. That's frankly, in a lot of ways, that's
0: that's parent-child relationships. that's not to dismiss the fact that they're loving, but it's transactional. You know, the child needs the parent when they're, when they're younger. And then when, then it reverses later in life and it becomes transactional the other way where the parent needs to be taken care of by the child. Right. And it doesn't mean there's not some loving stuff, but there's also some transactional things. I can't exist anymore living on my own. Right. I mean, I'm struggling with that myself. With like, no, my mom's older than I think she is, and I'm. It's like, why are you? Why do you need my help? And it's just after I'm trying to train my brain of no, she's 78 years old. She's like getting on in age. Like, you're gonna have to become a caregiver.
1: Then the second, the second friendship that Aristotle talks about is the, or what he calls about these are the, we, we call them levels of friendship, but you can actually call them the. He calls them loves and then you have the love of the convenient Um, and usually how I describe this to teenagers is uh, these are the people that – Friends with
0: benefits. Well, it's not even necessarily
1: (laughs) friends with benefits. Well, I mean kind of in a way but also the same. like I I explain it to them where it's like, hey, do you have people that you see in your classes like maybe in this English class where you talk to them only because they're at your table but then when you go out into the world – Yeah, they're not true You don't ever hang out with them? right or like that's one of those things where it's like you have their number in your phone but do you ever text them do you ever hang out with them no it's it but yet when you guys but you look forward to class with that person because again they're that person that's going through life with you they're struggling with you and we have people like that that are in our lives all the time and something that i would say about this relationship is i as much as I said it was transactional, I also think that for this person it was convenient. This is a person that is giving up their time or they're wanting something from you and I do think that there is a transaction element to it but at the same time, they are there and so therefore, once they leave, then it's no longer convenient. And you may you may not like losing those friends, right? Like we talked about, I, I talked to kids about this too when we talk about the love of the convenient where it's like, they may have been on your soccer team when you were, and you played soccer for four or five years and you saw them. They were at your house every single weekend and, and that was something that was there. But then all of a sudden, um, you decided you want to try volleyball instead of soccer. And so you played club volleyball for a year or, or two or whatever and then you're no longer with them. And then you see them a couple years later. Now you're in high school, but you're not friends anymore. And it's because the the convenience is no longer there. Right. And I was like, you might be able to reestablish it, but they have their friends, you have yours. And so this became something that was significantly more convenient than maybe what you realize. And then finally what you have is you have the unconditional, which is the thing that we're all striving for, which is the we love you no matter what it means to us. Um, And so when I see this, this situation that you're talking about is I don't see this as an unconditional friendship or an unconditional love towards that other person, which is what Jesus Christ is calling us to do. Is to love other people unconditionally, and yes, that is extremely hard, and that's not hardwired into our brains. No, um, but I agree with you. But as a leader of the church, that's something that you need to know. Yeah, you have to treat.
0: I think. I think we have this. I I, I think I think what you're laying out is the way it should always be. It doesn't matter how society has changed. But this isn't any more. One, society is much more transient than it used to be. I mean, people literally move all the time now um, for various reasons, because just some people like to move. They move from job to job. Literally, some people are in the military, so they get moved all the time. So this isn't a thing where, you know, this isn't a little house on the prairie where you have a bunch of families move in and then you're just the pastor of the same group of people forever in town because there's no other church to go to or whatever, but Again, to your point, whether society has changed or not, it's a reflection of modernity, post-modernity. I think if you're a pastor, you have to look at your congregation. And I'm not saying it doesn't mean you don't build relationships. But at the end of the day, you have to look at it the same way the Samaritan did. The Samaritan took care of the person that they needed to take care of and moved on. It wasn't like, hey, now... You know, I'm going to put you in a room and then I'm going to come back in three days and we're going to break bread together and we're going to become best of friends and all this kind of stuff. It's like you take care of people as they need to be taken care of, which leads me to my last point on this post. I, I, I think the big takeaway from this post is there are two views in the church right now. And one view is to say people are leaving the church. Let's blame. Let's find out reasons why these people – are leaving for bad reasons and this is one of those posts of yeah there's it just turns out there's a bunch of shitty people in the church and they're just they just use pastors for when they need something and then they leave and then they and then they just leave without leaving a note or telling anybody why they left look i don't think that's helpful i think this is one of the reasons why taking it out of the church why politics is broken because politics is the same way both parties, both conservatives, progressives want to sit there and go like, these people used to be part of our tribe and now they've left. And so they're bad because they don't really believe in capitalism anymore. They don't really believe in in uh, progressivism anymore, whatever the thing is. Or they don't believe in the Democratic Party instead of being like, why have we driven all of these people out of the church? Why have we driven people away from our political flavor? Let's have some in. Some self reflection on maybe what we're doing. And it might just be because things are changing. I would say, in a large part, the reason why the church, people have left the church, is because we're a more secular society. It's as simple as that. It's not any more complicated than that. We are not a religious society anymore. We are certainly not a Christian society anymore. And so it stands to reason people will leave the church. But to whatever extent the church, the church should be fixated on. What have we done to accelerate that? To make it easier for people to leave instead of, oh well, turns out we just had a bunch of shallow people who were just tra- transactional and they just wanted help when you know they were going through a divorce and then once they well, I got them through the divorce they they left and went on somewhere else. That that's just a just going to leave you a bitter person and a terrible pastor at the end of the day. There's there's nothing helpful in that. And it's not going to solve whatever problems, it's not going to make the church better in whatever way the church needs to be better, both big church and and local church. All right, one more. Dear Christian, following Jesus will never result in you becoming a bully. So if your Christianity is causing you to be, be a bully towards others, that is a sure sign that you are following someone other than Jesus. He said, blessed are the meek. Blessed, not blessed are the bullies. I, I agree with that. I just, there's a lot, there's too much of the bully shit going on. So, I mean, that was an easy one, but.
1: I don't know. They obviously didn't read anything from the book of Samuel or David's bullying the Philistines around. So no. It's not uh, Jesus. Oh, right. We're talking about after Jesus. Gotcha. Gotcha. We're talking about Jesus. No, uh, oh, we're talking about so, Jesus. No, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's an easy one, I think. Uh, you're following that's someone It's a nice, up. cheap sentiment, so I, I have to throw it in there. It's good. All right. uh,
0: going to take a quick break and then
1: hot topic. <laughs> yeah, quick break oh, and then hot topics.
0: We well, haven't done a hot topic in a while.
1: Well, I've got three of them. Oh. They're hot topics to me. They may not be hot topics to you.
0: the rings lord of the flies lord of the dance what are the best lords hot topic (laughs) all right wow this is another episode where tim's tim's the one that he's flying by the seat of his pants
1: all right hot topic Actually, this is going to be hot. This is going to be hot. <laughs> wow, this might be controversial. Wow. Only because I tried to look up something just now from this person and I could not find anything but negative reviews. Um, I'm so. Come on, it out. No, yeah, I mean, you're probably not going to find it that great. Um, So yesterday, uh, I'm at home with Reese, and uh, I had found out that uh, – it's been out for a couple weeks now. And I think that every person should go and watch this. I, I'm i not making – like we, we talk about movies and that kind of stuff on our – you're like, are you like really stressed about this? I'm just waiting for you to get it out. Um,
0: Anticipation.
1: Now he's just gonna make me like drag it out. <laughs> I. I've always been one of those where it's like, it, it, I, I have to be comfortable enough to say that people need to watch things or whatever, or like we have to be. We have to be comfortable with each other in order enough for me to recommend books or or movies or yeah. um, or TV shows or whatever to people. Because I just um, – things that I think are great or things that I think are funny are, are not necessarily – and you may think that – I mean I recommend music to you guys all the time. But if you don't care about my music taste, that's okay. I, I can take that. Um, but there are certain things where – where, when you sit there and you say like that was something that was special um and i don't know if people will recognize it as something that was special uh and what's really funny is you're gonna laugh at me when i say what i'm gonna say is uh dave chappelle came out with his new special
0: oh i haven't seen it yet but i heard a really good uh do
1: you hear good reviews about it or bad reviews
0: i didn't hear a review i heard a really good joke because chappelle doesn't Chappelle doesn't really tell jokes anymore. He tells... Stories. Funny stories. He tells stories that are funny, but also... uh, Illustrative of the point. It's funny. Chappelle is as much... He is as much, I think, the country's Jiminy Cricket as he is a comedian. Because he allows people i think he allows people on one side of the aisle that the left to be able to be like yeah okay i'm somebody because you know there's nothing about chappelle that's conservative or republican or anything um there's zero um but he he, he allows one side side. okay yeah i thought what where we're going with some of this stuff is crazy but he also reels in the conservative side to he also keeps the conservative side in check like grow the fuck up or calm down, you know, uh, you know, chill out, you know, uh, stop being so ridiculous. I think he's the nice, he's the Jiminy Cricket. He's kind of the, the equilibrium of the country of the country of like, okay, you can disagree with him, agree with him on a lot of things, but he's kind of the guy like with his head on the shoulders, calling stuff out when it gets too far one, one side or the other.
1: Well, and so I, so yesterday I watched his special. I'm actually a really big Dave Chappelle fan, um, and and I didn't grow up watching the Chappelle show. If anybody thinks I do, find some of those skits to be pretty funny. Um, I didn't. I watched his his Netflix specials in 2019, and I was like, man, these things are funny. Um. But yesterday I watched his newest one, and I don't recommend this. I I don't think by any means that this is one of the funniest stand-up comedy routines that he's ever done. I'm not sitting there saying, like, you should go and watch it because you're going to laugh your ass off the entire time. I was like, honestly, it was probably one of his weakest ones as far as comedy goes, in my opinion.
0: I think that's what he's going for because that one he did outdoors, I think, at his house –
1: in COVID after COVID or during COVID wasn't really funny but it was thoughtful and that's what I got to say is that I audibly said out loud wow yesterday when when he gave whatever I, I don't even know if I can call it a comedy sketch and don't get me wrong like like I said I'm on the like I just tried to look up something to where I could tell you something at least some quote from At least the part because, again, these are things that I might throw up on my walls in my classroom if it wasn't for the fact that this guy, everybody hates him because he makes fun of trans people. He makes fun of fucking everybody. Right.
0: Right. That was the – I would heard the story he told about how – the story he tells to
1: illustrate how silly trans stuff has gotten. Yeah. It's so frustrating Um, because –
0: I think he's gotten to the point where he's a thoughtful person. I think he knows it. I don't think he's I think he's actually leaning into that it's not really a comedy, comedy special and I think the reason why it's still funny it's not because he's telling jokes it's he because he didn't it's, even
1: end the special with a fucking joke like that's how much he's it, dedicated to because
0: he's, he's either telling a real story or an illustrative story and the way he tells it is funny
1: it is funny and uh, there's like you know, he, there's little jabs Dave's, in there you Dave know? Chappelle's funny he is
0: and he could tell 20 other people could tell the same story he tells and it'd be like, Oh yeah, that's really thoughtful where his the way he tells it. Cause he's Dave Chappelle and he's got his way of talking and all that. It's also, it's funny in the way it's delivered, but it's also, it punches you in the gut. And you're like, Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I mean, you know, Again, he's gone hard for the last two or three on Trans, but if you're someone on the right and you're not actually like if you're not thoughtful and just reflexive and be like, "Yeah, well, he's just, you know, one other fucking black guy who claims he's been persecuted." If you if you don't just get reflexive about it and just listen to what he says about being pulled over as a black person or whatever and just be like, "Oh, yeah." And again, doesn't mean you have to be sold. I'm not saying Oh, you know, this we're not neither you or I are saying the gospel according to Dave Chappelle. No, but I'm saying that. But if you're not challenged by what he says in a funny, entertaining way, then just stop watching. Well, and, and just be
1: like, oh, maybe there's some things that I'm not thinking about on this particular topic. So I think it's the last 20 minutes of his special. He doesn't tell a joke. There's not like there's like a little like quip here, a little quip there, but it's not it's not building to anything it's he's using his platform to say something, and rarely do I ever appreciate celebrities for using their platform to say something like it's like because oh, most okay. of them aren't as thoughtful as he is. and he said something that was i and I don't and I don't want to be sexist to where I think that females shouldn't watch it or whatever. But he was very specific when he said, Every man is a dreamer. And I, at that moment, I was like, Every guy in the United States needs to watch this special. Because he, he just said some things where I was just like, I was like, Okay, Dave Chappelle is is now my favorite comedian of all time. Like I was like, I I don't know why it resonated with me so much, and, and maybe you'll watch it and you'll be like, I don't know what the fuck Colton was talking about, but I I felt like it was worth enough to say. I think he said some things that were, where it transcended comedy and it transcended life. He talked about he talked about the slap with, with Chris and Will. All right. And it was actually probably like one of the most Christian responses that I've ever heard in my life. And one of the things that we try to talk about in this podcast is so and to give you kind of a snapshot, a snapshot of what goes on in this comedy thing is, you know, he goes after the trans people, but that's not really what he wants to talk about. He just kind of gets a little quips on them. So like when every that's all people want to focus on when they talk about the special.
0: But let when, me just say real quick. His point is all Chappelle's point is, is don't get upset with people who are a little, like, freaked out about this sudden change. Like, have a little grace with people who are like, okay, I just, now I'm supposed to just look at you as the opposite sex. I think that's basically his point. Is like, give us all a little room and some time and don't get all uppity because we're just like, oh, yeah, clearly you just decided one day you're a woman. And so now you're a woman. And we're just supposed to be like... Sure, yeah, whatever. That I think that's literally his point, and it's And we're in such a strange era where it's like that's somehow profound, but it is because he's the one who's who's got the fu money, as you and I and our friends talk about. Where he can just he can be the one who stands up and like, "Hey, everyone, calm the hell down." Like if I just decided one day I was I'm white, you'd be like, "No, what? No, you're not." Yes, that's not any different than this. That's not the story he tells from what I hear. In, but it's it's similar to that. It just be like, yeah, if if someone did this, you'd be like, that's kooky talk. That's all we're saying. Like, just give us a little room to be like, okay, look, you know, we'll deal with this. And so but that's what great comedians are. Right, they talk about great comedians are people who are great. Com- Great comedians are what court gestures were. Court gestures back in the day were the one... Were, that was the one person who could make fun of the king. Because they were really funny and they did it in a way where even the king laughed. But he was the guy who could say the thing that no one else could say without having their head lopped off. Right. And that's what great comedians are. They're not just funny. They're also the people in society who are pulling the fire alarm saying we're being told we can't talk about this thing. And I'm going to be the one who pulls the fire alarm and talk about this thing. And everyone laugh and be like, Oh, okay. I'm in a group. Of, uh, I'm in a room of people and we're all laughing so we can all laugh about this. And it's not really the like thing that if I touch, it's going to burn me or electrocute me and we can all have fun with it. And it's not like, Oh, you're an immoral person for talking about it. Now to your point, Dave's not really all that funny anymore. He's just leaning to like the philosopher. He's like Socrates.
1: Well, and don't get me wrong. in a funny way. His 2019 special, I laughed so hard for that. Is that the one that was special. in Atlanta? That's the one where I think he's in Atlanta. He's, wearing, he's, in he's Atlanta. wearing like the green jumpsuit. Yes, and he's in it. And that is so funny. and <laughs> It
0: is funny, but that's another one where like, like he's in a room full of black people because it's in Atlanta and he's going hard after his fellow black folks being like, let you know.
1: Let's not be so hard on Whitey. Yeah, and even and even is he got a lot of hate for his uh, SNL special, but I thought his SNL special was fucking hilarious when he talked about Kanye, when he oh, talked yeah. about Trump. And I I thought it was so funny. I
0: I because again he's look I look yeah I don't want to make it sound like. He, When he decides not to be funny, it's because he decides not to be funny. It's not because he's losing his his funny gene. He's just decided, to your point, in the last 20 minutes of this thing, he's like, I'm going to lean in on this, and now I'm going to turn it into we're going to have a real moment, and
1: I can do whatever I want because Netflix is paying me a lot of money. And he has a real moment, and it's fucking good. That's what I'm trying to – like Like I said, he, he goes into the whole like Will Smith, Chris Rock thing for a bit because last year he toured with Chris Rock. So after the slap happened or- – Chris Rock then went on tour with Dave. And so both of them are there. And then, what is it, two months later, Dave Chappelle gets attacked at the Hollywood Dave, Bowl.
0: Dave, Dave gets bitch slapped by some trans guy at the Hollywood Bowl. So they've got something to do. And he talks
1: talk. about it on this special. And it's fucking hilarious. Okay, He talks about this whole situation. But when he sits down and he talks to everybody. So he's already done his jokes about Chris Rock and about Will Smith. And then he goes and he sits there and he says, I see myself in Will. I see myself in Chris. I see myself as the one who's tired of people talking shit about me and I can't fucking take it anymore. And one, more, the next person who mouths off at me or my family, I'm going to go up there and I'm going to punch the shit out of him. And then he's also like – and I'm also Chris Rock where somebody – where it's like it's a fucking joke, man. Right. Like, and he gets up there and he's like – he's like – and I resonate with them both. And he talks about the reality of that and he's like we're dreamers. We're people that are dreaming big and – and that's the title of the special—is Dreamer or whatever—and it's powerful. I felt moved by what Dave Chappelle said, and it's just an hour of comedy special. But I think that it's something special. I think that anybody should go and watch it. And if you're, I think anybody should go and watch it if you're able to sit there and make it through the trans jokes. Okay, if you're gonna sit there and be like, he's making fun of the trans again, or if you th- if you think Little Nas X <laughs> is fucking think, gold, like I don't think our our listeners are going to be <laughs> i that. don't think so either but, but but they may also not be big dave chappelle fans where they're like he's not that funny and i'm like i'm telling you right now you shouldn't watch this because you think that you're gonna laugh i was like you should watch it just for the powerful message that i think that dave chappelle is trying to say
0: so you um, alluded that there's like a almost like a christian or jesus message in something he talks about Is it like what turn the other cheek or something i
1: i think that there's something to be said about when he talks about we're people that have dreams. Every single one of us have dreams. So it's not us to sit there and judge and, and I don't get me wrong, I'm the type that is judge Will Smith over the slap because I don't believe in violence and going and taking it out on somebody. But also we should be sitting there and we should be able to understand where he comes from. We should understand where another person comes from. We should always be looking to understand other people and grow from that. Um Yeah, I
0: I think that's I think that's where I'm still struggling to be where I want to be. I think this this is kind of where you and I have been struggling with a cohesive message about like Ukraine, but also more specifically Israel. Like, why do we keep bringing it up? And I think even this continues to hone it in where you and I are conti- are, I think where you and I are trying to be at and we're trying to teach ourselves coach ourselves on a daily basis and what i think we want our listeners this community of go to help people is to be where we're not reflexively being like oh i got to be team will or i got to be team chris rock or i got to be team israel team palestine whatever it is it's just like i don't have to have an opinion or my opinion is i could to chappelle's point i could see why and even now in my brain I'm like, well, Will Smith and Jada Pinkett have an open relationship, so but that doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. I could see why that upsets me. And what's funny is there is a segment, let's be honest, on the right, that wants that Promotes this idea of you got to defend your woman and defend her honor, and there's something about honor and honor's important, and it's something to actually resort to physical violence when someone needs to resort to f- physical violence to defend one's honor.
1: Fucking Keith Urban, or not Keith Urban? Is it Keith? No, it's not Keith Urban. It's uh fucking uh Brad Paisley talks about it, and I'm still a guy. Right. Knock some jerk I to the know, ground because yeah, he copped the field so, as you walk by. Like
0: still a, c- a country thing of, and then on the same you know by the same t- yeah. It's not only is it just a joke, but it's just do you res- so again. I think that's I think that's great, and what I also like about it is you know you're watching this Dave Chappelle special and you're thinking about Jesus stuff because it kind of gets back to that. It gets back to what we talked about after the goodwill hunting thing of, I think too many times Christians have said, oh, well, there's this message, but it's by someone who's clearly not a Jesus follower. So we can't listen to that because it's not informed by Jesus rather than saying like, look, let's be honest. Dave Chappelle's not a Jesus follower. He's not a Christian. But you know what? He has in his own way become a Jesus follower and he's doing what Christ would call us to do, which is you know, whatever it is in his special and we need to celebrate that and, and echo. And yes, this is, he's right. And so he might not do be doing it because he's Jesus followed, but this is a perfect example of what Jesus would call us to do because Jesus has infected our culture, even though we're not, a lot of us aren't directly following him. And let's, let's highlight more of that behavior. And the, is the behavior what saves you? No, that's not what I'm saying. We need to be, we need to understand Jesus is who he is. We need to follow Jesus, believe in Jesus, but we also need to, when we, too many times the church, particularly uh, Protestants, because we're so consumed with, oh, we don't want to become works people. We need to celebrate the works when they're done, even when they're not done by Jesus followers and say, like, this is a perfect example of what Jesus is calling us to do in this verse or that verse or whatever. And so, um, but to Chappelle, yeah, I, I think Chappelle, he's super thoughtful. You can actually see how thoughtful he is in the stars born, which is one of the rare.
1: I've honestly never seen it.
0: It's the, you know, it's the Bradley Cooper, Lady Gaga. He's in there for about 10 minutes and maybe, maybe five. It's, it's probably five. And when he shows up, you're just like, I remember the first time I watched it, I'm like, I know who this is. I'm like, And then, holy shit, that's, that's, that's Chappelle. What's he doing in this movie? And then you cannot take your eyes off him because he's not really acting in the movie. He's just Chappelle because that's all he needs to be. He's basically, he's playing a, a musician that the Bradley Cooper uh, characters played with well you know being a musician comedian actor in hollywood he's basically just playing a hollywood person he plays himself but he is himself for five ten whatever how many minutes it is and you cannot take your eyes off him because when he's speaking he is speaking in the same way he does what that i find on those on his specials of everyone shut up I'm going to listen to what this man says, and it doesn't mean I'm going to agree with everything he has to say. But I, but he's been, he's thought about it. He's not talking off the, the top of his head. If they're jokes, they're not what so much comedy is today, which is you know, it's not like sex jokes or you know, it, the, there's a strain of comedy now where it's just basically like junior high boys telling jokes. It's like. Yeah, this is this was funny when I was in junior high as a boy. It's not funny anymore. Uh, if you've seen the movie Funny People with uh, Adam Sandler and uh, the guy who laughs ha 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 Seth uh, Rogen? Seth Rogen. They have there's a whole there's a whole crew, there's a name for the crew of stand-up comedians, they Having they've got uh, the Indian guy who's in the in the uh, Parks and Rec.
1: Oh, yeah, I know who you're talking about, but I don't really remember. Uh, and they've
0: name. got Aubrey Plaza. Anyway, they're all, they've are all they all got this, like, it's all like junior high humor that they're doing stand-up comedy. I'm like, this is not funny. It's not thoughtful. It's just, it's just like, it's the lowest form of humor meant to elicit laughs out of people who've had a couple drinks. But Chappelle, no. You need to go in knowing he has thought about it he has honed it, he's worked it, he's worked it, he's worked it, he's thought about what he's thinking, and the joke isn't what he's trying to deliver. If 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 everything works, he delivers something meaningful and thoughtful with a joke behind it. Or in a way that he tells it funny that elicits a laugh. But I don't I again, he is the epitome of the FU uh celebrity he's made so much money he can do whatever he wants and right now he is the country's jiminy cricket with some humor behind it yeah and i and you know what i'll take it i I, in fact that's not i don't No, i embrace it that's what i want we need people who have grown up who didn't go to harvard who didn't go here who you know aren't informed by some intellectualism but someone who's lived life, um, he's gotten over. He got over his skis early on. I mean, I think he kind of lost his mind when things got crazy when he had a show, and he had to live life. He kind of talks about it. When, and he uh... had to like take a step back. Um, this is a guy who's lived life and lived experiences, and isn't just like some dump some empty headed celebrity who who's like well i played a you know i i played someone important on in a movie and so i know what it means because i'm a you know method actor
1: no he's actually lived a lot of this stuff he also talks about method acting in this as well he should (laughs) tim and i are gonna watch this special after we're done with our podcast our 10 hour long podcast tonight (laughs) we're in one hour and 38 minutes uh and we've
0: only done one hot topic
1: all right, all right. The next two, are, the next two, I think will be a little bit faster. I don't know if. Well, I think that. Well, maybe not. So first thing first, I think that people should watch the Dave Chappelle special. Two. Um, if you well, okay. Again, this is also something that I'm slightly embarrassed about. So if people. Nobody comments on the show anyways, but maybe somebody will listen to this and they'll <laughs> say something to me in person and I'll get really red in the cheeks and I won't – and I'll be like – I'll try to fumble my way through a conversation about it um, because it's just – I don't know. There are things in our culture – I tell kids all the time that they should never ever um, – I don't like seeing kids get bullied um, or get made fun of because they like something. It doesn't make any sense to me. Um, if kids like to watch something, they like to play something, they like to hang out with different types of people. They should never be made fun of for that. It, that doesn't make any sense. Uh, you shouldn't make fun of a kid because they want to go out and they want to try cheerleading, or if they want it like guys, guys are terrible about it. Like yeah, a kid that, wants yeah. a kid for whatever reason decides that he wants to go take a, uh, like a, a flower presentment class or whatever they're called I don't even know um but those that those classes do exist um they're like an art class where a floral a floral arrangement class I guess is what it's called um and and so it's like if if a guy wants to go do that and that's something that they like maybe they like flowers they like gardening or whatever and that's something that they enjoy I think doing I like,
0: someone who's a, who already knows they're a player and they are planning I know 100% the they're like yeah there's
1: nothing but bitches in this class uh, Guys are terrible at it, but girls are too, where it's like, you know, it's, 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 why are you interested in this? I don't believe in, I've been really huge into sitting there and trying to break down social norms. I think, um, I still think that there's things that I can't do socially normally. Um, our buddy Eric that we've talked about a couple times on this podcast is actually he's a little bit further along in being able to do things socially normally that I just could never do. Like he can paint his nails and he's totally okay with that, and I don't make fun of him for it. But at the same time, I'm like I can't do that myself. Like there's just nothing. I'm like yeah, I, I'm not gonna paint my nails, right. <laughs> you know. But but nobody should make fun of somebody because that doesn't mean anything, right? Painting your nails shouldn't be synonymous with something that's bad or whatever. If a kid likes to watch something or they like to do something, they should never be made fun of it. That being said, there are things that I hold in my brain that are things that I should not necessarily like as a 28-year-old male or even my no offense to my parents, but that my parents made me feel that I should not like um, growing up and so therefore I feel very ashamed about it and I don't actively seek conversation about it. it's kind of a weak point in my life. Um, I don't think I'm ever going to ever be comfortable with it. I know that they're socially unacceptable. And I don't pride myself on being socially aware, but I I feel like I'm socially aware enough to sit there and say, like, hey, this isn't something that everybody wants to talk about. That being said, I witnessed something this week that I felt needed to be discussed, and the only way that I can bring about this conversation is through um, – one of these events. So for example, when I'm talking about me and the things that I feel ashamed about, uh, one of the things that I am is I am a gamer. Uh, I like to play video games quite often. Um, it is not socially acceptable to my parents. Um, and there's a lot of negative perception around playing video games, even, uh, for whatever reason and so it's something that I don't necessarily talk about publicly with people. I don't – if you were to ask me what my hobbies are, anytime that anybody ever asks if they're getting to know me, I will never ever say that I play video games even though I probably play them for about an hour and a half to two hours every night. Um, I won't ever say that that's a hobby of mine um, because I have been made to feel ashamed of that Um, and that's just baggage that I carry with myself. Um,
0: Uh, Well, go ahead.
1: And so, and even when I've had friends that have brought it up in public around people that aren't gamers, if I don't feel in a comfortable position having that conversation in front of people um, that are there, I will easily try to end the conversation quickly and move on to something else. Right. Um, Because I don't want to talk about it because I think that it's not socially acceptable to talk about because people at 28, 29 years of age should not be playing video games. Now, that being said, the world is changing. The world is evolving. People that were 40 years old didn't grow well, up with video games the same way that we. This is great topic. To... This is phenomenal. <laughs> well, wait. We're not even at the I actual know, topic I know, I know, but this is. Great. <laughs> so, another one for example, and this is the what I'll end on before I let you go into your converse where you want to go, and then I'll, I'll go into because mine's going to spiral into a different conversation. But I think. I was trying to lay the groundwork over the fact that I, I don't feel comfortable necessarily talking about this subject because, again, it's just – it's tough for me and so I'm going to bring it up and, and that's OK. Another one – and again, this one's going to be tough. And it's going to be hard to say. Um, another one that's fairly common is – I can't say it. Like this is so hard for me. I can't say it like recorded. Like you already – like i can't say it like i'm so ashamed like it's so bad but you shouldn't be ashamed of it nobody should ever be ashamed of something that they like and and here's also the defense mechanism no this is also important is anytime that i'll ever say something about it i'll immediately downplay it but don't let me downplay Okay, so if I sit there and I say that I like something, let me like it and don't let me downplay it to where it's like, but it's like, you know, and I'll give like excuses, you know, and it's like, no, that's nobody should ever feel that way. Right. When they're when they're talking about something. I'm dying here. I'm trying to say this to where I don't downplay it. (laughs) Andy is dying here. He watches it at one and a half speed – or listens at one and a half speed. This is like (laughs) nothing to him. I – and I'm going to say it and you guys are going to be like this is You like the Bee Gees. No, I watch anime on a regular basis. Oh, for the
0: love of God.
1: You're laughing. Like, okay, But – Tell your truth and then – No, so here's the thing is socially that's not acceptable. At a – even at – so video games is becoming more acceptable – Watching anime at my age is not acceptable. Somehow being a Disney parent is acceptable, but watching anime is not. Um, I have something to elaborate on that, but I – Again, nobody should feel judged. I think that there's a huge misconception out there. Don't get me wrong. There is a lot – actually, okay. There's two things that need to be said said about it is – One, I think that there are large misconceptions about anime where it is if you – there's a lot of baby out with the bathwater kind of stuff. Um, My wife doesn't even feel good about me watching anime. She's like, oh, it's all this and that. To which there are harsh realities of Japanese culture that are extremely misogynistic. That is true. So if you're sitting there and you're thinking that there are those realms of what, and if I don't need to explain that, you know what I'm talking about when I th- when I say that. To where people then completely over, overload the system, or they say that it's kids. Those are the two options, and so they throw everything out with the bathwater. We're going to get into something today when I talk about my hot topic where I'm not necessarily talking about a kid's show. I was like, please do not watch this show with your children. Not for the misogynistic elements that we were talking about earlier, but just, and I'll get into that. But what were you going to say, Tim? Oh, boy. Okay. He's judging me for that. No,
0: no, no, no. No, it's just because I think this will be ten, end up being a 10-minute. Go for it. So I think really we can but I, I look, I, this is why if you're listening to this podcast, you're listening to this podcast because it's not a 40-minute tight package thing it's people talking this is two guys talking at the edge of the bar off the top of their head and having conversations that maybe you've thought about and you're like finally someone's talking about it or you haven't and you find it thoughtful and then you can tell other people so a couple things one uh and this is where it becomes this is i think this is a really good topic where I'm going to go, where you've kind of stumbled and where I'm going to talk about this. Because this is... Look, we want to talk on the show about... Look, we're Jesus followers. We need to think about Jesus followers. But there are times where you have to put, like, your other hat on and and be like, well, but we also live in society. And society gets to judge what society is. So why do I bring that up? So you're talking about bullying. Look, bullying should never be acceptable. And hear me out uh when i raise my kids and this will be my the case as well it is the case and will be the case as my grandgirls, and then hopefully a grandson come around uh papa dad it was made clear when my kids were uh when my ki- kid were in my house it will be this that will be the case when my grandparent kids are around the only thing that will unleash papa dad on you is i find out you're a bully one and two you were in a position where you could have stood up to a bully or helped someone stand up to a bully and i don't mean like getting in a fight but being like getting someone out of the threat of a bully i don't deal with bullies now do not do not hear that as tim was not a bully when he was in high school i was There was literally. I went to high. uh, The school I went to was seventh grade to twelfth grade, and unfortunately, my friends bullied for two years, junior hires, and we had one kid in particular that we bullied as a ninth grader, and I think if I'm if I'm on the one hand, I would say it was terrible because we bullied this kid for a while. On the other hand, it was one of those situations that I think this is going to sound i don't i don't think anybody listening to the show is going to be like what it was one of those good bullying situations where we bullied this kid for a while and the fact that the kid just kept like standing up to us by halfway through the school year of our senior year he, he was like our little buddy right but that said that is one of the things i do not The things that I regret in high school were were the moments where I either bullied someone or I stood by and allowed people to be bullied on a regular basis. And I don't mean just – I mean there are people – there's always kids in your class, your age group, who are weird. And it's because they're either – their interests are different. They're slow, to put it nicely. uh, Or as we say, they're on the spectrum or whatever. I think that's the hard part as a parent is to teach your kids to be like, don't bully those kids. I think that's the kind of bullying, whether you're a Christian or not, that should never happen. The difficult part is the stuff that you're talking about, some of the stuff you're talking about where society is trying to enforce some norms.
1: Yeah. Yep.
0: And society has a right to enforce some norms. And so I would say on the one hand, like our f- mutual friend, Eric, if he's painting his fingernails in high school, Eric's offered himself up to society to be pushed back to the like, that's not what dudes do. I would say at Eric's age now where he's 28 or something, that's kind of a thing where it, you can call this a contradiction, hypocritical. It's not so much of a thing anymore because Eric's now an adult, he's not doing it, you know. It 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 becomes a gray area. So, the bullying where we're bullying people because it's they're less than uh they're an easy mark, that should never be tolerated. Uh now, okay, and then there's certain things where let's just say in high school society's trying to enforce like there's some social norms, and I think that's where we're struggling as a society of, no dudes are dudes, and what, to get back to Dave Chappelle, dudes are dudes, women are women. You can't have a, a dude uh, swimming with females and think and everyone be like, yeah, this is perfectly normal. And then there are generational norms. And what you what you've cited are generational norms, or cultural norms. They're not societal. They're cultural. They are. I would say the anime is cultural. That is American society. Yeah, we're a melting pot. Blah 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 blah. But that's still that's American society. Still, um. Americans. Yeah, American culture not society. American culture still dealing with this absorption of very hardcore Japanese culture and normifying that. And with the video games, that's just strictly like that's generational. And what's funny is on the one hand I say I say on the one hand I say it's good for you to struggle with that because on the one hand, there is there is some level of adulthood where you're like, I think adults have to say like, it's it doesn't matter. It's not that the, it's video games. It could be, you know, 40 years ago, it was making fucking models. It was a, it was a male. It was a guy like making in model base, airplanes in his basement man, in his models. basement yeah. or trains or trains <sighs> or a train set. You know, yeah, whatever. There's a level of. How much time do I have to wait? How much? How much time do I have a, to be a man of leisure every day, every week, to where I'm? To where it's me burning off steam or me wasting precious time that I don't have to waste? And it's you know, you're twenty, late twenties. I'm fifty. Um, if you hear me doing that. Blah, 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 fifty blah blah blah. Is that what you said? I'm fifty. Fifty blah blah blah. Because I can't remember. I'm fifty, 52. I had that struggle with video games. I've got. I've been telling myself for a year. I've got a GameCube sitting out in the garage, and it's got the best version of FIFA soccer ever made. It's got a great college football uh, game, and I just need to bust that thing off and play it for like an hour every night, and you know that's all I need. Cause I'm—it's not like I'm playing, uh, not playing stupid games on my phone for twenty minutes every night before I go to bed. So just so, there's a fine. I—I I, my concern with modern. I'll wrap this up this way. My concern with modern society right now is there's a segment, there's a heavy segment of society that wants to take these pressures that we're feeling and say like oh they're just it's guilt and it's unnecessary guilt and it can certainly turn into that but the healthy but what it what it should be is just a healthy check of i want to do this thing can i do this thing can i afford to do this thing and you know and that's and that's just a struggle and look look i'll just be You and I haven't talked, you and I talk about all kinds of things. We haven't talked about, we haven't talked about this. So if in this case, if, if the struggle, I would say in your case with the video games, if it's your parents and they're like, oh, you shouldn't, either they've said it or you just know your parents are who they are because they're basically my age or a little bit older. You know that they'd be, if they were sitting there, they'd be like, Colton, you don't have time for this. You've got a new baby. You're a teacher. This is beneath you. Okay, that's noise. That's noise. The struggle, the struggle is if it's your, if it's Audrey, your wife, and she's like, you know, I'm in there trying to get some fucking sleep, <laughs> and the baby's crying, and you're playing video games, and and the, no, and so I think that's the struggle we have in society right now, where there's some dudes that's like, well, I just need time to blow off steam, and you don't understand, and fuck you. Whereas, no, it might be, need to be, like, you need to dial this down. It needs Maybe it needs to be done at a different time of night. Or you think you're doing it for an hour, but you're doing it for three or four hours. <laughs> so it's actually a lot more time. Right. Or maybe you just married the wrong woman. And since <laughs> you married a woman who doesn't like video games and you really like video games, and so you're going to have to figure out, do you like her more or do you like the video games more to be really crass about it so we're we are not a society right now that likes tension we like removing tension right and where we see tension we like to start throwing big heavy words on like oh this is guilt or this is whatever and no sometimes we just adulthood means living in tension and the hard part is healthy healthily living and being like and discerning being an adult but being a thoughtful adult again not being a dick about it and being like "Fuck you i'm gonna play my video games because i had to go work all day today And, and and meanwhile your wife was understanding me like yes you went and worked all day long you came home we had dinner we said i'm not saying this about you but i can see this happening quite a bit in households you went off and of worked all day. You came home. We barely said a word over the meal we had. And now I'm taking, home, taking care of the baby. And you're now playing video games. Like, is this a marriage? Or are we just like two friends who happen to live together? Yeah. And that's the one hand. And on the other hand is... I went to work. I played all day. We came home. You and I had a perfectly, really nice dinner. We played with a baby. You went to bed. She went to bed. I played... I played the video games until midnight, and just because I stayed up later than you think is quote-unquote acceptable, you're upset about it. You need to not manage me and just realize I can live on fucking six hours of sleep, and you can't. Right. Which is also a conversation that happens. How can you live on six hours of sleep? You need eight hours. I need six. So I can stay up until midnight and still get up playing my video games for two hours after everyone's gone to bed and get up at 6 in the morning and perf- and function perfectly fine because I'm a 32-year-old male. right? And this will not happen when I'm 40 <laughs> or 50. Well, actually, it still happens when I'm 50. I can function for perfectly fine on 6 out. So anyway, so that's my thought about the whole intro is like, yeah... There's these tensions that we don't want to talk about in society. We just want to be like, oh, this is someone being overly, uh, too rules based. And then on the other side, like, no one, these people don't want any rules. It's like, no, there's some tension and we need to let people live in. We have to live in tension as adults. That's what being adult, an adult is. So.
1: Yeah, I think I agree. I. Don't get me wrong. There are, like, when you were talking about eric about you know when you're 17 and you're painting your nails versus when you're 28 or whatever um there are things where we need to acknowledge like no matter what it is that you are a big fan of society doesn't necessarily like it when you make it your whole personality
0: um well let's just again let's pick on eric for a second we also i think we've we've very recently fallen into it used to be it used to be when i was a kid if someone if let's just when i was in high school if a boy painted his nails black it's because he wanted to be that was him declaring i am outside of society yeah particularly in my school because i was at a christian school and i did have probably three or four boys at my high school in my class who dressed in black, painted their nails black, everything was black, probably put eyeshadow on. That is them declaring, I don't want to be a part of the thing you say is society. And what's odd for me as a 50 something year old man is that's now been flipped to I want to paint my nails and everything and you've got to accept me and say I'm fully acceptable to everything and I'm my brain's like no, 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 no. When people do that, they're, that's like a middle finger to everyone. Like, I don't want to be part of everyone. And now it's flipped to, no, you have to say I'm wonderful and amazing just like everybody else is instead of just saying, like, I'm outside. And I, by, by, by when I say, like, outside of everybody, it doesn't mean, like, you're less than. But you're declaring, like, I don't subscribe to the T-shirt, short-wearing tennis shoe wearing society i'm going to be outside of this i'm declaring i'm different and now it's like i don't want to be declared different i want to be the, declared the same as everybody else and i'm just like again this is like I, I would say on the one hand i i would say in this specific instance this is both the societal and the generational thing both colliding like no you can't have it both ways you can't be like, I'm going to declare I'm a boy today, and but I'm going to be acceptable like everybody else. No, you're declaring you're different, and that's fine. To my other point, that then means we don't get to pick on you because you've decided to go outside of the societal norm and say like, oh, he's a boy. He's declaring he's a boy even though he's a girl, and now we get to bully on him. But it also doesn't mean that we all get to go like, okay nothing to see here it's just it's just
1: the normal thing yeah like i said when it comes so like for example there's a kid um that i've had before as a student um where uh i have watched so like let's say he and this is where things can be off-putting because especially when people are associated with anime but that being said people are that way about lots of different things but We'll go with the anime one because it's, it's the- funny you bring up anime
0: cuz anime's been around since uh, like my first like when I was like first year of
1: college. Well, like I said, it's it's a really hot topic in high school nowadays. Hmm. And that's what I'm around regularly. Um
0: Ian Flux. That came on MTV when I was in oh, yeah, college. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was that lit- that was well, yeah, I think that was this true in anime. And when I was in high school, we had uh, well, oh, uh, it was the thing, it was like the fly, the spaceship that looked like a battleship, but the, I don't know if that's true anime. I don't
1: know which one you're talking about. I'm. Th- I, anyway, I, it doesn't matter. Well, um, I like the anime that this kid uh, enjoys, or that this kid enjoyed. I like it a lot. I'd be willing to have a conversation with anybody about it. I'd recommend it to anybody that asked about it this kid though had made it his entire personality yeah that, and that's, that's where it comes trouble and that's where it's tough in any societal situation but also just so we're clear that's anything that you do if you are way too into trucks or cars or whatever which is manly manly that's off putting to people yeah right? just, every time you go and have my... a conversation and you just want to talk about trucks and all yeah. that kind of stuff you're just like okay dude um, and that becomes your entire personality, where that's all you can ever talk yeah. about. Everybody's like, "You're
0: now niche society."
1: Right? Exactly.
0: So and like, your friends
1: or whatever that niche society is, and so the thing that's tough is, is I think a lot of times, I don't know.
0: Let me throw one more thing in there, or unless you don't want to lose your train of thought.
1: No, no, no. Go
0: for it your parents are basically my parent or my your parents are basically my age and so there's still we take things for granted we take cable and um, subscription services for granted because they're just so ubiquitous but there is an age there is a there's a there is a an age it's probably late 40s maybe it's 50 somewhere around there where there is a different mindset so when your parents were were kids high school even high school and when i was a kid high school there were still basically three channels and hbo and so you know culture was whatever was on television to the to the point where when the Cosby Show, last season, the last episode of the Cosby Show, last or peak Cosby Show, you had 80 million Americans watching a show. Yeah. Which was, at that time, a half, maybe a little less than half, of literally half of the country watching it. Um, you know, the last episode of MASH, half the country is watching it. Uh, parts, you know, Cheers. These shows that are popular in the 80s, like, Two thirds to half of America. Now I'm not talking about TV watching. I'm talking America. The population is watching the show. Right. And then today, it's almost reverse where the people who write and talk about shows, they're talking about shows that like get like a million viewers, two million viewers a night.
1: Well, AI is writing their shows for them, so. What I said, well, AI is writing their shows for them. So. Well, no, <laughs> no, no, I'm kidding.
0: <laughs> um, you know, there. 10 years ago, a million people, maybe a million five, are watching Mad Men, and that's all that TV media is talking about is oh, how great a show Mad Men is. Meanwhile, again, the same networks that I was talking about a few minutes ago, Big Bang Theory is still, you know, it's not driving bringing in 20 million, but it's still bringing in or 80 it's bringing in 12, 15, 20 million viewers and no one's talking about it. No one's talking about the ubiquitous NCIS shows that still bring in 10, 12. So, but my point is, culture's now, I think this is, again, where the anime thing kicks in, where culture's now allowed everyone to be niche and we have to kind of deal with it because everyone. it's easy for everyone to find their little niche and there's not the shared culture like, what do you mean? You listen, watch anime? Like that's crazy. Well, I, you know, you, you, you watch anime, and then, and then, or oh, I watch anime, and then you keep showing up on Monday at school, whether it be college or high school, and you're talking about this fucking Hulu show called Letterkenny about some three Canadian people.
1: Well, you know, who's the crazy person? <laughs> well, I mean, like, so I think. We did um <coughs> <coughs> So anime is tough from the standpoint of I think that it's it's always gonna be or at least for probably the next twenty years it's gonna be tough because of the idea of still in in modern sense. Actually I don't even think it's a modern sense. In American culture. Postmodern
0: American culture.
1: No, I I think it's just in American culture. You don't watch, you don't watch adult cartoons unless they're satirical. Oh, that's a good point. Well, this isn't all that crazy because what was
0: it like ten years ago? They we had the whole GamerGate thing where a lot of and and in the, I think being bogus, but. You know, with people coming out and saying how misogynistic
1: the gamer society was. I mean, it is.
0: I'm not saying it is not,
1: like as somebody who's a part of it. Like I'm fully well aware of,
0: but in the sense that it became a gate, it was over. It was overstated as what was a lot of the stuff that was being brought out was ridiculous. I, I would, from my perspective, it was it was
1: ridiculous. I'm going to say that it's come a long way in ten years. Um as somebody who's been playing video games for 10 years, I can tell you that uh, 10 years ago you could 9 times out of 10 act, no, not even that. That's not that's 90% is still not good enough. 99% of the time.
0: 99 out of 100.
1: 99 out of 100. There were no female characters in video games. Didn't exist.
0: Oh yeah, well that's true, and then, then the ones that were were overly sexualized, like uh, extremely Laura Croft, extremely. Um, well, and that's and it's true, but I mean some of the other stuff that was being pointed out, well, it, it doesn't matter. Well, I but, mean, but but that was... that's a great example of the Gamergate thing of like you know, culture trying to trying to deal with what's changing and what or what should
1: change. Well, and that's what, and we've talked about it. before. <coughs> and, and I think that's where society thing is. And you've asked questions about it before. Where I, there was an anime that uh, Eric and I were talking about once, and you, and you had brought it up again. Where you were like, "Weren't you guys watching something where you guys were both on, un- were not okay?" But it was talking about like gaming and the misogyny and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, "Yes, there's, there is an anime out there, and that's, and that's actually something that I think can help segue into this conversation is where it's like." So, yes, I, I think that as Americans, we don't like to watch cartoons as adults by ourselves unless they are satirical in nature. I think that's why.
0: Uh, 100% I 100% agree with that. 100% agree with that.
1: That's why I also think that some of the greatest kids' animated movies, kids' animated movies that have done the best, are satirical in nature. Still, Shrek is fucking yeah, hilarious. Shrek, it'll, hilarious. It'll be timeless for forever because the jokes kids love it because it's a cartoon adults love it because it's a fucking satirical Correct. joke like Correct. the entire time but yeah you I mean, it well look, I mean let's because not Because the pigs not, the not. pigs and Shrek say <laughs> Lord Farquaad he huffed and he puffed and he signed an eviction notice no kid in the right mind knows what the fucking eviction notice no, is. No, but, but <laughs> even then we're overcomplicating.
0: We're overcomplicating <laughs> like, this. The longest running sh- not show, not animated show, but the longest running show on television the is The Simpsons,
1: and it's hilarious. I love. I'm a huge fan of The Simpsons. Just so we're clear. No, but it <laughs>
0: because exactly, it's exactly what your it's it's the epitome of your point. Yeah, it so. is satirical. I love a show that. I have yet to find another human being who, uh, like in person, I've heard these people on the internet, which is why I started watching it. But I have yet to meet another living, breathing human being who enjoys the show like I do. BoJack Horseman on Netflix is also the same way, where it is extremely adult and extremely. Have
1: we watched that since, or have you watched that since we I have put watched... that as the question?
0: The whole show. I've watched the entire thing
1: before the trivia question the answer that we gave, or after the trivia answer that it we doesn't gave.
0: matter. I've watched the entire show. No, it matters because
1: it. I was like, "Wait, you wait, you should have sat there and told me that these are not the names of the characters on the show." I don't know. <laughs> we said what we're Bojack about. Horseman. Remember when it was the dogs of the presidents, but we went with Bojack Horseman characters. <laughs> it would have been before trivia. Oh, okay. I don't know. Anyways. I've never seen the show. I've just never seen it.
0: So. I mean, we can go through the whole list. Uh, BoJack Horseman. Family Guy. Uh, Family Guy. Archer. Archer. Uh, King of the Hill. Even as dumb as it is, uh, Beavis Fam- and Butthead. Family Guy. Family Guy. American Dad. American Dad. Simpsons.
1: It's all, that is all adult satirical humor. Big Mouth now on Netflix. Oh yeah, Big Mouth. Uh, what's the uh, Futurama What's the other one uh, uh, What's the Disenchantment Or no Disenchantment, disenchantment. But
0: then there's also uh, The, the uh, It's the two characters uh, uh, Rick and Morty Rick and Morty I haven't watched Rick and Morty But I've heard really good things about That's it I've thought funny. about watching it but. That's pretty
1: funny uh, Yeah so
0: So So what's that, the difference between that and anime? There is a difference so anime is just – it's just it's, – it's, anime is just literally a style of cartoon. It's okay. not satirical. I, so, I'm, not, I'm not trying to be super
1: derivative about it. I'm saying – okay, definition-wise, there is a difference from the standpoint of – so uh, when I was growing up, there was uh, – and you may know this as one of the worst movies ever made, which I've never actually seen it. But I've heard terrible things about it. Um, There was, uh, Nickelodeon produced what would most people consider an anime called Avatar: The Last Airbender, and they came out with. I remember that. Yeah. Came out with a movie in uh, late thousands, Um, and it was the the movie was awful. If you know anything about anime, when they. When they come out with a movie, it's fucking terrible. It's it's like a video game coming out with a movie. <laughs> there was
0: another. Did uh Titan? There was a Titan movie that had Matt Damon. I think uh, the one with the wall. No, that's not what you're talking about. Anyway, anyways,
1: is anime is anime literally a style of animation? So what I'm saying is, right now, what I'm telling you, okay, so so most people called. Avatar: The Last Airbender, or an anime, but Japan Japan doesn't recognize it as an anime because it was American made. So, oh, okay. So the definition of anime is actually a oh, it's a nationalistic thing. It is. Is an illustrated um, series created from Japan. That is what it takes to be classified as an anime, um, and it has to be illustrated. Um, it has to be hand drawn. There there are some like CGI elements now. Um, but it's still this created where there's no live acting or anything like that. So that is that is what it takes to be an anime. So Avatar The Last, Last Airbender, if any of you like it, you can come out of the closet on it because it's still considered a cartoon. So if you're sitting there and you're like, I watched that as a kid but I don't want to be considered a weeb, which is what the kids call uh, people that are anime nerds, is uh, – is that's considered a cartoon. So you can you can come out of the closet on that. You can be scotch-free. You can say, I don't like anime. Um, and if anybody was like the Avatar of The Last Airbender, do you like that? And you're like, yep, but it's not an anime. It's a cartoon uh, by true definition. Um, now, that being said, the reason why I think that people should expand their minds to anime is that you are seeing some of the most creative story – imaginative story writing that I think I've ever seen um, this is stuff that is in this is stuff that is that should be written in books is what I'm saying. comic books can't even touch it can't even touch what anime is doing and that's the thing is like if you're a fan of comic books or the Marvel movies you, you're you're already on this, the road to this where it's like if you like the superhero narrative that was written there's for the marvel cinematic universe or maybe even if you just like the dark knight trilogy there are stories that are being generated that are having such that are so much more in depth with their character development and narrative that are beyond what they are writing in the united states in my opinion and that's where I think that if you are closing yourself off to this, you are really missing out on a lot of phenomenal story writing that is existing somewhere else. Um, and just because it's animated, that doesn't—I don't understand how that makes it childish. That's the hard part for me because the show that I want to talk about tonight. And well, that's that's the, the gen- that's the
0: generational. That's the where. That's the perfect example of the generational thing of. Um, If you're looking at that, and it doesn't matter what age you are, like if you're 25 and you're like, yeah, but it's a cartoon. Yes, you're 25, but you're buying into basically a a 20th century generation viewpoint because, you know, animation, we know when the animation starts. It's literally in the early 20th century with Walt Disney and, and some other people. So it's, in the grand scheme of human history, it's a...
1: It's Oswald the Rabbit. mm,
0: It's nascent is being kind to the art form. So to be super judgy about it is kind of silly. Yeah. Yeah. It was initially meant for children. Although I don't even know that that's the
1: case. Well, I don't know if it's the case either. And I mean, anyone who seems...
0: You just brought it up. Anybody who... If you really know a lot about Disney... Before there's Mickey Mouse, there's Oswald the rabbit. Right. There is nothing childlike about Oswald the rabbit. It's a rabbit with two X's over its eyes, which I don't think when that came out, I don't think it's like today. Like, that's not meant as like a very, like, child-friendly thing. I don't think it was just because it was rudimentary. Or even even today. Well, I'd also say, bug... (laughs) One of the reasons why Bugs Bunny and all of those like early 40s, 50s, 60s cartoons that lasted into the 80s that people kept watching and watching and watching well after they were children, to your point, Bugs Bunny is satirical adult humor.
1: Fucking hilarious.
0: I mean, if you're if you're if you're four years old, you find it very funny because it's a rabbit hitting a duck or or whatever, or a chicken or uh, 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 a, a chicken. A chicken
1: I said. <laughs>
0: so there's the rudiment. It's it's the it's the perfect animation at the at the t- the double level. But as you get older, you're like, oh yeah, I didn't notice when I when I was six and I enjoyed this, and now I'm 22 and I've. Like gone to high school and maybe got a college degree, that this is basically just, uh, this is a cartoon version of uh, you know some Shakespeare play that's been boiled down into five minutes. I'm not, I'm literally, I'm not making that up. Like that's how these things work. Just like, yeah, we took some great piece of literature and boiled it down. So, right. I think a lot of cases when adults or someone today who thinks like an adult who's like oh this is just animation yeah you're thinking you're not really understanding the you're judging the medium as a children childlike thing and it's really just a medium it's it's it it's literally no different than you saying well so-and-so watches you know a black and white is for so-and-so and color is for somebody else we're just arguing over mediums. We
1: we are arguing over mediums. or
0: or to say, no. This is a this is a better this is a better example because I went and watched a live action play at my local theater. It is by definition more mature, and educational, and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. It's more adult. Than the than the cartoon is. No, you could have gone down to your local play and watched some, perfectly pe- some
1: perfect piece of empty-headed, sophomoric bullshit. Hey, don't talk about spam a lot that way, dude. That shit's funny <laughs> as hell.
0: You're confusing the medium. You're assuming the medium is intelligent. And it's just a medium. That's all it is. And I would I would say, I would say yes. There are forms of there are cartoons that are more informative than the Book of Mormon. To, to defend my Mor our Mormon friends,
1: so that's and, how I would And it. also, you made it. What was great was you also made it back to the, the theater thing because the Book of Mormon is a is a musical. It's a comedic musical, which I also want to see. I hear it's hilarious. But Correct. I would also say that <laughs> Shrek like, is nice more
0: informative way. and in- intellectually interesting and yada 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 than the uh, vagina uh, monologues that were around about 15 years ago. So just because something is a live action play or a musical doesn't mean that it's more uh, intellectual or whatever than a cartoon. It's Again, it's a medium. For con, for, it's a ways of communicating an art form a set of ideas whatever
1: Well, and so what i'm going to be talking about tonight and <laughs> we haven't even gotten to it this second hot topic is um if you're under the age of 35 and you haven't heard of this anime then i i'm just going to assume that you've been living under a rock because i feel like this thing is all over the place it's it, it, it has been the anime that has defined the last 15 years, or the last, well, I guess it's probably the last 10 years. Um, I remember when it came out in 2013, 2014.
0: Um, I'm finding a post-it note so I can write down whatever you're going to say. You've heard of it before. It's okay.
1: But I don't know if I've watched it. You haven't watched it. Um, uh, the anime that I'm talking about is Attack on Titan oh Um. okay and i watched the final episode today is this the
0: one you get that's been it's been a bunch of series was this the one where
1: you and eric were talking about it we talked about it and audrey
0: watched it And they had a particular episode. No,
1: no, 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 no. The one that you're talking about right now is the one that I was talking about with the video game where that was the one where she was like, Audrey liked this one because it had a strong female character lead in it. And she was there the entire time. Okay. That was, that was our entry. She didn't like it because it was horrific. So that's also what I need to explain to where it's like, if you, you don't watch the show with your children.
0: Wait, wait, which one?
1: Attack on Titan.
0: Okay, but there was there was a show you and Eric were We
1: were, were talking about the, were, the show that you were talking about is Sword Art Online. Okay. And that one is talking that the there was message a, of that show Revolves around a lot of the misogyny that exists within gaming culture. Well, there was a specific episode, and there was a specific it, scene that made like the three of us sick for weeks. And Audrey was like, "Yeah, I can't do yeah, this Yeah, She do like she liked the she liked the entire. season. was like a season. rape or yeah, a rape. Very or very close to a rape scene. Yeah, and it's like, either a rape or it's a. The season is like twenty five episodes long, and in episode twenty four, there is something that gets there is something that gets. It it's it gets graphic. A rape does not ensue, for anybody that that wants to know. But it it gets it gets hard to watch. Right. Um. And I mean, like, for some of you that have watched maybe games of Game of Thrones or whatever, you're like, okay, this is a fucking Tuesday night. Now. <laughs> you're like, no, you that's know? true. Uh, um, and no, it doesn't. Okay, seem that I, way, so. so the
0: first that the first time that happened to me, there's a movie called Kids came out in, like, 92. Uh, I think the girl who starred in it went on to become a fairly regular female actress. Uh, But the guy who directed it and wrote it, I think he wrote it, but he directed it. He only did, like, three or four movies. He was always kind of, like, out there. Anyway, there's a scene. The whole movie is kind of like kids dealing in the drug, sex, AIDS culture of the early 90s. And there's a scene in, like, the last stanza of the movie where a kid who knows he has AIDS, like, he's been diagnosed not only with HIV, but AIDS, knows he has it, has sex with a girl who's basically passed out because she's had... uh, either cuz of too much alcohol or drugs and then she wakes up in the middle of it. So you're watching the, so not only are they they're they're underage kids in the movie and he's got AIDS and so you're just watching and you're like, "Oh, this is just the whole like I don't need to be exposed even in art. Let's just let's be really generous and call this art. I don't need to be exposed to this level of depravity in the world." for this to be put on the big screen in a movie and it was just like all right and i've heard that movie mentioned you hear it mentioned every once in a while because it was a very informative like controversial movie and i'm like yep never gonna watch that never gonna watch that movie again and so yeah there are times in shows whether they be movies or uh plays or anime where life is a little too real and just like
1: nope, didn't need to see that. Yeah, so Sword Art Online, that one. I, but this I is would, Attack on Titan. Yeah, I would. I, well, and but Attack I was gonna, on Titan is on what? How can you watch Attack on Titan? Well, if you have, if you have Amazon Prime, oh okay, you're I, able to. You'll have to go through the Crunchyroll app, but Amazon Prime now has full access to Crunchyroll, so. Crunchyroll is where – is an anime streaming service, so that's where they have everything. But Amazon Prime's membership now gives you full access to Crunchyroll, so you don't have to have a subscription to any of that. Um, Netflix used to have it. I don't know if they still do anymore. When I first started watching Attack on Titan, this was way back in 2013 in the fall. I had graduated high school. I was staying over at a buddy's house, and I had never watched anime a day in my life. Um, I hadn't. My parents, when I was growing up, they were like – you're not allowed to watch this. Well, I mean, it wasn't like you weren't allowed. It was just kind of one of those things where it wasn't looked highly upon or whatever. And I'd like, I, I never watched it. I did watch cartoons growing up. Those were my favorite shows. Um, and I have no shame saying it to this day. Um, for anybody that's ever seen Phineas and Ferb, I still think that that's one of the best TV shows Um ever invented the the writers for phineas and ferb are so freaking funny i think they deserve lots of credit for the funny ass shit that they've come out with on their show (laughs) tim's got something to say. (laughs) so
0: just to kind of chime in and we're 234 good yeah we're not getting to what we were supposed to get to this episode just to chime in on what we've been talking about like the last half hour and what you were just saying right now so my mom was my english teacher in high school, and her English class for my senior year was an AP class. And it was not only an AP class. Like, I went to UCLA. I took English classes. I was very well prepared for UCLA English classes based on the class my mom and the other teacher we had at my private Christian high school. So why do I say that? My parents hated The Simpsons when I was in high school. They thought it was lowbrow television. I kept trying to tell them, like, no, 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 no. You just... its To your point that you said a while ago, it was just like, no, this is a cartoon. It was like, no, 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 no. This isn't Pluto and... This isn't Mickey and... This isn't Mickey's Clubhouse. Mickey's Clubhouse. Like, you're missing out... <laughs> like, my one of my favorite jokes of all time... From one of the early Simpsons, well, it was probably like five or six episodes of season's in. but one of my favorite moments was Milhouse, who was Bart's best friend, had a girlfriend for the summer, and they ended up breaking up at the end of the summer. And when they break up, and Milhouse and and Bart are in the same, they're up in their treehouse, they're talking about it, and Milhouse says, Bart, it was like Romeo and Juliet but with the tragic ending,
2: <laughs>
0: exactly. That was the joke I kept telling, trying to tell my English teacher mom and my dad, who was just as educated as my mom on English. Like this is the level of humor that is in this show that
1: you despise.
0: It's like <laughs>
1: that was phenomenal. Yeah. No, I. That's awesome. But they
0: just couldn't get it because it was a cartoon and it was – all they could get – all they saw was Bart Simpson doing like fart jokes or whatever they saw. Eat my shorts. (laughs) Eat my shorts, exactly. Eat my shorts. And the dumb dad who ended up becoming the um, archetype for dads for two or three uh, generations, which I do think was – I do think that was uh, damaging to society that we had – Two or three generations of basically Homer Simpsons of these just dumb fathers who did, were oblivious to what was going on in their house. And the only thing that kept them together was the wife who was smart and just putting up with this dumbass, ass, uh, whether it be... Uh, you
1: mean the Boomers?
0: George Lopez. Uh, oh, you everybody mean Everybody Loves Raymond. And these are all great shows. I love the shows. Uh, Raymond's a... Uh, uh, Raymond's a... Fantastic stand up comedian. George Lopez is a fantastic stand up comedian. Their shows are funny. According to Jim. Yeah, all these shows are just like it's the dumb dad with the with the wife who's keeping everything together and if only we could just deal not so anyway, that that did start with Homer Simpson. But anyway, yes. It so, was it was a great romance. <laughs> <It> was, so funny. <laughs> so, it, it tragedy.
1: <laughs> the uh So, where I'm going with this is so, uh, so Tim brought up Sword Art Online, which I do want to say for anybody that's looking to go into anime, uh, it's, it's, don't start with that one. Um, that one gets graphic like i said episode like 23 out of 25 i think um it's it's a really well written story but i think that you have to you have to like video games and also understand the misogyny and all that kind of stuff that's around it, it and so when tim talked about a decade ago they were going with this 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 gamer, game gamer kind meat, of thing yeah. um i i don't think that that was wrong to sit there and say um uh and and this this particular anime kind of talked about it but attack on titan oh man so 10 years ago i started watching this i went over to a buddy's house and and we watched it and it actually was um the first time that i was ever introduced to an anime and i watched it um and it was if you uh and we bought the manga which manga would be the comic book um it's just it's just the japanese term that they use for a, a picture book with the speech bubble so it's a comic book Um, we bought it and we we read to keep up and 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 on the back of the mangas it talks about the critics and how they review Attack on Titan and they claim that it was the Walking Dead of japan it was it was the it, because both were coming out at around the same time or they were both coming into popularity around the same oh, time i watched it in 2013 i didn't know but that. that wasn't around that time so they it was it was equivalent to the walking dead of japan now i haven't watched the walking dead so i can't say anything about it so I'll, all that i'll speak to is attack on Titan. the first season if you watch it i i, I just want to let anybody know that that listens to this if you're sitting there and you're like well you know i got some free time on my hands the the entirety of the show is 89 episodes 87 of them are half an hour episodes with the last two being one hour long um so 87 30 minutes 88 and 89 are both one hour long they're both one hour specials the first season of attack on Titan there are four seasons total the first season of attack on Titan is very horrific uh, and you're going to see some things that are pretty graphic. I, again, what I would e- encourage anybody that watches it, you're going to see it. In, and the things that are graphic are – it, it's just bloody. Uh, the, the titans that are in the show are um, – they're just really big zombies is just how I would describe it. They're fast zombies. They're big zombies. Um, and there is a lot of things that you are going to watch in there that are meant to horrify you. Um, so these zombies are going to eat people. Um, you're gonna see the crunching of bone, the 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 splitting of people in half, or, or whatever, and these and these titan-like figures having um, having no remorse for what is happening uh, because they have no personality, no nothing. Um, and so, what the anime became in the original season was it was a survival anime. It was. How do we survive this? Um, what is it that we do? Um, it, it became a good versus evil uh, kind of situation. Much of the the superhero stories that we read, and it was good. It was fun. Um, that story was very basic. I'll still say to this day that that is one of the that is probably one of the best seasons of the show um you understand the characters there's lots of character development they will kill off characters that you fall in love with so don't get too attached seasons two and three focused on the characters being more morally gray it was no longer this good versus evil characters all of a sudden became a lot more gray and that's what and and again i haven't seen the walking dead but that became A huge concept within The Walking Dead, where it was originally let's rally together, let's become this, but actually the characters became a lot more morally gray as the show continued to go along.
0: Yeah, things get, things become, when you're functioning within survival mode, and then survival mode turns into civilization creating, things become a lot more gray.
1: And that was, and so the final season, which I just watched over the past couple of days and I watched the last two episodes today. One of Japan's major themes that they continue to write about in a majority of their animes. which, if I wanted to write a best-selling book in Japan, this is a theme that I would need to address. And I think that as Christians, it's something that we need to struggle with on a regular basis. And that's why I wanted to have this conversation today because this hit me hard today because I watched the final episode today and I read a – and I finished – so I fin- I read I, – I read a book last night. I finished this book last night. And I finished this episode today. And both kind of touched on this theme. Of how does one break the cycle of hatred Mm. that exists in our world Mm. and the last season of attack on Titan so the the first like I said the middle two seasons kind of talk about the characters being gray but then it expands to the entire world and how the entire world is a gray area and through that process Everybody is justified in what it is that they are feeling towards one another. Nobody blames the other person. Well, they they blame each other at first until they get to see that there is humanity there, but then they don't blame them for the feelings that they feel. And so how do they break the cycle of hatred? And what's actually sad is that if you finish the show and you go through the final credits, you'll actually learn... That the cycle of hatred is never broken the main character of the show gives his life and the idea of he will and he gives it in a very grotesque terrible way i wouldn't never <laughs> for anybody that's looking to break the cycle of hatred i wouldn't do what he does um and so if you're watching the final season or you haven't watched it um or maybe you've watched it up till this point and you just haven't seen it yet uh watch the final season and you'll sit there and be like, this is grotesque. This is terrible. Nobody should ever do this to break the cycle of hatred. Because basically, what he decides is to his friends, they believe that he has decided on genocide as the only way to break the cycle of hatred. So he has to go and create mass genocide outside of the world right. that he's lived in or grown up in. Because once all those people are eliminated, they will no longer try to kill all the people on the right. other side. And yet over and over again in the show, they talk about the fact that there's already rifts that are happening within the island because this this place that they're in is on an island. On this island that they all live on, already there are rifts there where people are already trying to kill each other over that. Yeah. And they're like, it doesn't end just by killing off everybody else. People are going to continue to hate people for the rest of their lives. And so what ends up happening in the show is he kills off 80% of the population of the world. And through that process, he is able to make his friends heroes. So that way people will sit there and say, we don't need to attack this island of... They call them the devils in this season, they say, like we won't need to attack that island of devils anymore because those people were heroes and they saved all of us the twenty the ten percent of us that got to live right and so that's how the show works it but but I have seen numerous animes um I think that. I think that Japan has every right to ask this question.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say that. that that.
1: (laughs) How do we break the cycle of hatred? And I think that that's something that as Christians we should be struggling with. That's
0: something we as Americans, that is clearly a Japanese, I would say it's a Japanese moral dilemma yeah yeah i think that's yes that's the great way to put it because i think the japanese accept i think uh modern japan accepts the american western narrative that they were the devil in what happened in world war Two. And where they're mature is, they they we've either because they we beat it into them, or they've accepted it because our culture has won out. They accept that. What we don't want to, what we don't want to ask ourselves, because we're the victors, and the victors don't have to do that, is at what cost did we do that? Because the victors get to say, yeah. We had every right to firebomb Tokyo. And then after that didn't work, we dropped two atomic... We dropped a atomic bomb. And after that didn't work, because remember, that's how it worked, everybody listening to this. We didn't drop two at the same time. We dropped one.
1: A week later. And if you're listening changed. to this, you're
0: like, yes. It didn't... Yes, I get that. We firebombed Tokyo. We killed 250... We killed more people firebombing cities than we did actually dropping the two atomic bombs. And that didn't stop them. And we lost... I'm fully aware. More. I'm sure I'm more aware than anybody listening to this or as aware of the Americans lost invading Iwo Jima and Okinawa and firebombing Tokyo and dropping an atomic bomb and saying, have you had enough? And then when they said, fuck you, dropping another i'm fully aware and i'm not saying that that was a mistake but that doesn't also mean and this is where i'm this is where i think you and i colton are the jiminy crickets of the show where we're trying to change the culture that doesn't mean yes i understand why in 1945 we did that but that doesn't mean that we as Americans, we as Christians, don't get to say, "How do we make sure we don't repeat that that mistake, that decision again? How do we prevent that? Is that the way to do that? Is that the best way to do it? It might have been the that might have been the way to do it, but is it the best way to do it?" Well, let me look at, and I and I think what you're bringing up is a good example where. Actually, Japan, Japanese culture is, yeah, we're the devil and we deserved everything we got, but what does dropping the atomic bomb twice actually get us? And you can say, well, it didn't lead to to, to war after that. No, but it it didn't, but it also led to uh, Fifty years of threat of nuclear uh, world war, annihil- world annihilation. After that,
1: and hundreds of people dying of radiation cancer.
0: Right. Yeah. Well, <laughs>
1: it's like, and that I don't. I think that, the, like I said, if you if you want to write a best selling book in Japan based off of the animes and all that kind of stuff. It, and don't get me wrong, there are plenty of animes that don't, that where they, Japan is very nationalist, uh, they have nationalism where they are very proud. They'll even talk about the United States has evil tendencies, you know, they're, they're corporate or whatever, blah, blah, blah. But one thing that, they, that it comes to over and, over and over and over and over and over again, is how do we break this cycle of hatred? And I think that that's a question that we all have to ask ourselves. Correct. And I was like, that's looking at it at a macro scale, right? Like how do we save the world or whatever from the cycle of hatred? But how do we on a micro scale continue to break the cycle of hatred?
0: Can I also just uh, let me just say this. It is generally an American assumption, and, and uh, hear me out. I'm not. I am. I'm. I'm gonna. I'm gonna declare this as an assumption, and I'm not even gonna say it's right or wrong. But just hear out the assumption, and then just within your head, as a Jesus follower, just think about it. It is an American s- assumption that in order to win a war and properly win a war, and by that I mean the the defeated are never to be heard of as a threat again. Because at this point we're uh, right. We it, lost the war against
1: North Korea because uh, you we're, know. we're eighty
0: years past World War Two. In Japan and Germany aren't a threat, or Italy you we'll throw Italy in there too.
1: Yeah, fuck those guys.
0: In order for that to be the case, you have to kill tens You have to kill hundreds hundreds if not tens of millions of people in order for that to happen. And you say, "Well, that's not fair." Innocent. No, innocent, no, people, by the way. That is fair because the Russians who are our allies killed a lot of people that we don't want to talk about in order to defeat the Germans. And they weren't just Germans. They were Czechs. They were Poles. They were Bulgarians. They were Romanians. They were Yugoslavians.
2: Cool. We don't want
0: to talk about that. Yeah. So if you're saying that you're willing to live in a world that it requires to kill tens of millions of people in order to win war, in order to be successful i suppose yes that's true and again to be perfectly honest i'm going to be honest because I, I one it i think it lends to my credibility but it's also because i need to be honest with you listener i would have fully subscribed to that not like 20 years ago but 10 years ago i would have said yeah yes you're going to go to war then go to war and that means fucking killing a whole bunch of people but the older i get and the more to that cheesy x the last post that i quoted of like if you want to if you want to act like a bully and talk like a bully you can act and talk like a bully but that doesn't mean being a jesus follower and i think that means the same thing when it comes to war as of 18 hours ago Israel has has admitted they have admitted that they've dropped 45,000 bombs in Gaza. Gaza's the Gaza's the size of I don't know, half half the size of the state of New Jersey. It's a tiny little place. They've dropped 45,000 bombs in order to do whatever retribution they felt they needed to do against October for October 7th please don't tell me this is just a just exercise in trying to root out Hamas this is a fucking fuck you we are ending the Gaza Strip as a uh, hospitable place on the planet for a couple generations and if you're listening to this and you're a Christian and you say yeah I can see why they did that I am not telling you you're not a Christian I disagree with you and I don't think Jesus disagrees with you, but I'm not going to do what, what so many other Christians have done over the two millennia of Christianity and say, you're not a Christian, but I do want to want you to think like, is that really now Oh, here, here's what I would say as a Christian, I find that repugnant. I think this is the Christ, the proper christian response if you're like all right what's the christian proper proper christian response one i think as a christian we should find that repugnant that's not the way to solve the problem and you say well, how's the, how's the way to solve the problem jesus is the way to solve the problem now if i'm really being honest though as as a true jesus believer that doesn't mean then then i go out on my twitter feed or my facebook feed and say Israel is some genocidal uh, state who doesn't care about human life because, as Paul said in one of his letters, we don't call the world who doesn't believe in Jesus to follow, to be like Jesus followers. That's the, the, the tension I think we live in. But we need to be honest as Jesus followers. And this is where I'm really frustrated watching, looking at X, looking at stuff that I see written by Christians being like, yeah, this is, you know, Israel got attacked. And yes, I will admit a lot of unbelievably foul things that never occurred to me were that one male would do to a female, like nailing. I'll be very specific about it. Yes, it never occurred to me that a male would it would use a nail gun to fire nails into the genitalia of another female because they find Jews so abhorrent and to make them uh, incapable of having other Jews. Yes, that is as repugnant a thing as possible and if that person who did that never fully repents to jesus of that then they deserve whatever if hell exists they deserve hell i fully stipulate that but to then say that then requires dropping 45 fucking thousand bombs on an area about half the size of new jersey in order to to your point back to the anime thing of writing the world. At what fucking problem does that solve? does not solve anything. All you're doing is upsetting the average person in in Egypt. Yes, who really shouldn't give a fuck what's going on in Gaza because they're just Muslims like Look, I'll be I'll Look. <laughs> this is where it's kind of weird. You and I are Christians. I don't give a shit what happens to Canadian Christians. I don't give a shit what happens to uh, Swedish Christians. I don't give a shit really what happens to Cambodian Christians. If anything though, that's kind of a Christian, uh, well, no. It's a Christian worldview in that it's not ethnic. Although we should care about what happens to the church. But the fact of the matter is, Muslims view their religion much more as I would argue, and if you're a Mus- somehow you know a Muslim or you're Muslim and you're somehow listening to this, you disagree, let me know. Muslims view their religion much more as an ethnicity than I would say religion. And that's so do, both so do Jews as well. And Jews, and I would say that's both a negative to those religions, but I would also say in some respects it's a negative to Christianity. I think I as a American Christian should care more about what's happening to Christians around the world. Yeah. In a healthy way. So, again, why am I bringing this up? If you don't think the bomb, dropping 45 fucking thousand bombs and some of those a lot of those 2,000 Bunker bust bus, busting bombs like the one that they dropped on a uh a refugee camp that ended up killing a couple hundred Palestinians it was like oopsie! We dropped a, 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 a two thousand pound uh bunker bu- bus uh, bunker busting bomb on the refugee camp. Really? That was that was an oopsie, really? If you don't think that's upsetting your average muslim in syria and jordan and egypt and yemen and sudan and they don't see that shit and saudi arabia and pakistan and fucking miramar and singapore and indonesia and tunisia you're kidding yourself
1: you made yourself into the villain
0: what are you actually solving
1: Right, you you sat there. You were making yourself feel incorrectly
0: safe because you've dealt with the immediate problem while creating a bigger problem. Yeah, but it. But again, this... and, and and let's just say even just let's just take safety out of it because that's what I mean by problem. You've created it. You've removed the immediate safety issue, and you've created a bigger safety issue. Let's just remove safety out of it. Is there not some kind of moral <laughs> high ground you need to be on? Can you really stand on what happened on October 7th? Accepting the worst, horrible, human-to-human contact. Again, I don't feel like I really need to say this, but I, I, I will say it so that it is clear on the record. I accept some of the worst male to male, male to children, male to female, human violence ever seen by humanity has been committed. But you think that the justification for that is dropping 65 and 45 and I'm sure will be 50 and then 55,000 fucking bombs on a small bit of real estate is somehow justifiable. That is not justifiable. That is old-fashioned, Old Testament, just as Benjamin Netanyahu told his people when he quoted the Old Testament that we cited a couple episodes. This is just old-fashioned, human, eye-for-an-eye, tooth-for-a-tooth, retribution, This is nothing but human to human vengeance. There is nothing godly about it. And if you want to hear, if you hear this and you say, amen, you know what? You and I can shake hands. We can drink beer. We can drink coffee. We can break bread over being honest. Because you're being honest. There's nothing godly about this. This is just old-fashioned, non-godly vengeance. And if you're comfortable with that, and you want to say that, I'll break bread with you. But if you want to hide behind this and say, no, no, this is somehow, this is what godly people do, and blah, 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 fuck you. There's nothing godly about this. So. This is, this is three eyes for an eye this isn't even eye for an eye this is four eyes this is six eyes this is eight eyes this is ten eyes for an eye you have israel has gone roman on people and again i want to be clear this was a worldview i subscribed to around 2000 uh, around 9 11 when 9 11 happened i literally said it's time to go roman on people you want to kill an American? We'll kill a thousand of you. Because I viewed that's how the world worked. Because the world would quickly figure out if a one American died and a thousand of you died, no one would touch an American. And you know what? In the fallen world, yes, that might actually work. But, dear listener, you and I don't exist in that world once we become Jesus followers. And this is the point of the whole rant. We don't get to exist in that world anymore. We don't. We don't get to live in two worlds. Caesar's world is Caesar's world. Jesus' world is Jesus' world. And if you want to live in the world where an eye for an eye or ten eyes for an eye is how the world works, then don't be a Jesus follower. But if you do, you cannot live in that world. You have to literally die as jesus did to yourself and say i cannot subscribe to that worldview." and your whole thing about the titan thing brought this up of when does this end yeah because and where the where the atheistic the taoist or whatever jew uh, uh, japanese average japanese live in isn't a Jap- jesus view they're struggling with this the answer to that for us dear listener is jesus which is it never ends it never ends you can talk yourself into ending it
1: well and so if you watch (coughs) so if you watch the show um so the first season like i said it it, kind of becomes a survival there's so these titans are these are these massive giant zombies they come through and they eat family friends whatever they 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 just eat people they don't care about what are we getting oh geez i'm gonna wait on tim to figure out what the heck we're drinking next it's not water people okay so the titans are released into the uh so there, there's these beasts that, like I said, they they go and they eat um, people relentlessly. Um, there's these three walls that are that, uh, and they believe that the people on this island believe that they're the only people left in the world. At the end of the third season, you find out that there are people outside of the outside of the world that they live in. That believe that they are the devils Hmm. so they believe because they are the people so only if you have this very specific type of blood are you able to turn into these giant zombie creatures and people have been using them for war or whatever and so the fourth season really dives into the fact that it really dives into the idea of the people it's the goat and the sheep. No, I'm not laughing at it. Well, it, not laughing. it. it's the goat and the sheep. So it dives into the people on the outside. So the first three season, you're you're following this this these group of cadets that are going through their military process of trying to be able to to fight against this this evil power that is coming in against them, but they don't know where it's coming from. They think that they're the last survivors. They're right. the last the last bit of humanity. And so they go and they they kill. And eventually they're able to liberate their country at the end of the third season. But in that process, they find out that the only reason that those titans exist is because the other countries believe that they're the devils there, and so they are releasing them on their country. Right. And so they are therefore terrorizing them, and they are hoping that they will eventually wipe out them completely. So the fourth season starts, and the main character that you've been following for this entire show is the... He is going to take revenge on them and he lives with them in their community for a couple of years and eventually it comes to a head and if you're watching the show for the first time you're watching him take it to the people that sent these monstrosities there and like I said the first season is so horrific you're going to watch that show and you're 100% going to side with the main characters of the show you're like everybody's on board. This is what it is. But as the season continues, you're gonna sit there and be like, "Mm, "You may have went a little too far," and then eventually he does what he's—he does this thing where he is now going to wipe out eighty percent of the population of the world, and you are like, "Whoa, that went a little too far." But yet those people were trying to entirely extinguish their population. So that would be the same thing as the Germans sitting there and trying to wipe out the entire Jewish population and then saying if it was just the Germans that wanted to wipe out their population, the, the Jews went and said okay, they eventually found some ability to be able to fight back and they were then going to wipe out the German population instead. Will we sit there and say that's justified? So they dwindled them down to like 20% Twenty percent of their population, they eventually were able to find some sort of weapon to where they were able to come back and overtake all the Germans. Would anybody blame them for that? No, the world the world at any time,
0: but particularly today, would be like, yeah, they fucking they deserved it. Right. Now that is that is a very biting.
1: But it's horrific. If you watch it, it today as a Jesus person, you're gonna sit there and you're gonna be like I don't feel right about this. I remember talking to Eric Peterson about it uh, a couple, probably six months ago, and I said, "Hey, how do you feel? <laughs> how do you feel about the new uh, Attack on Titan episode?" And he said, "You mean the fact that the main character just decided to commit massive genocide? I'm not okay with it at all. And yeah, it'll it'll make you sick to your stomach." Well, I would say that that. But it was the only... So he found that as the only solution because it was... It was they're either going to erase us. Yeah. Or we erase them. That was the only way that... Because
0: both sides have topped themselves into the other side being an, ex, an existential threat. And to I be mean,
1: less than human is what they had, have talked themselves correct. into believing. And everyone in those... Correct.
0: They are less... So I would use the word, I use the word existential threat for a particular reason, because that is what every polit- politician in the United States, whether they be left or right, uses. They use existential threat to describe whatever threat, foreign or domestic, they see as a problem that needs to be, as you are laying out, eliminated politically, legally, lethally. But you took it another step, which I think is correct. They're less than. They're subhuman. They are
1: they're they're gonna eliminate us if we don't eliminate them. And also just so we're clear, this is something that I talk about with my students.
0: They are so morally inferior that we have to eliminate them. Which is literally what's going on again with the Israel Hamas thing. They are so Morally inferior because they committed these at- at- atrocities, which are atrocities. Yes, they are atrocities. I will say it. They are atrocities. But because a group of individuals committed these horrific atrocities, not only against Jews but against humanity, they. Cre- they- October seventh was a crime against humanity. Yes. Full stop. 100%. But. We are now going to say that they are fully represented either complicitly or, or implicitly or complicitly because the Palestinians won't do what they should do or they all agree or whatever. We're now going to all lump them in and whatever happens is their problem. And now we're going to drop 45 fucking thousand bombs on them over the next quarter in order to show that we're morally fucking superior. Which is, again, to take it to your show, that is literally what the show is. The show is, I'm morally superior. I figured out that we are morally superior on our little island. I'm going to pretend that I am not one of the people on the island, but then I'm going to wipe all of you out who are not on the island in order so that you're not a threat and you less superior human beings who are using the Titans because... You're under the same, if I'm really being honest, you're under the same moral delusion that I'm under. I'm just not willing to accept it. Right. And we don't have, yes, and this is the tricky part. We don't have two people, because this is the tricky part in humanity. And I admit this. This is the problem. You don't have two people who are willing to stand up and say... I'm going to stand up above the the Israel crowd. I'm going to stand up outside the Palestine crowd. I'm going to stand up outside the island crowd. I'm going to stand out the outside the rest of the human crowd, uh, humanity crowd. I'm going to stand outside the German crowd. I'm going to stand outside the Jewry crowd and say, what do we do <coughs> to end the hatred, the suspicion, the whatever? To end this stuff and be like. Jesus people, whether we're trying not to or we are trying to be to (coughs) and end the madness. (coughs) But what we do is feed into it and then justify it and then say, well, you know, Jesus doesn't like nailing female genitalia. So he would side with us and then we talk ourselves into it when actually Jesus we if we're really being honest, Jesus weeps at both sides. 100%. And if we're being Jesus followers, we say, guys, Jesus is weeping at both sides. Neither one of these things is solving a problem. And what that doesn't mean is I call you a devil and I call you a devil and I call for both of your moral or literal extinctions. But what it does mean is I stand up and say, I am here. We are here as Christians to be here if somebody on your side says can we break the silent the vi- the uh, cycle of violence how can we facilitate how can we facilitate brother against brother violence because that's what this is it is literally brother against brother violence these people are not different very much at all ethnically they're the same right including the ones that migrated back from europe yeah they had migrated back from europe at one point had been middle eastern these are the same people a lot of the israelis who migrated to israel in the 40s and 50s migrated from other arabic countries they are the same if one cares about ethnicity which we shouldn't but if one does they are literally brother and brother. They just They care. have more
1: in common with they each other. They just argue
0: over fucking Isaac and Ishmael. Arguably. And if someone would just say, and this is, again, this is where the Christians got to be. I'm not, I don't have a fight in this. I'm not getting involved with this. I accept that what happened on October 7th is repugnant. But I also accept that the response is not it's also, also repugnant. It's also repugnant, but I'm not going to call both sides evil. I'm going to say I'm here when you want to break bread and make peace.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. I. But as Christians, we won't even do that within our own house. We want to condemn some group because they don't believe in. Baby baptism or they do believe in baby baptism or I'm gonna have to watch this show now because I have a question for you this, this, this will be the third hop topic unless you and then you can be your fourth if you want, even though we're at three hours and 18 minutes. Uh, so I'll, I'll just lay out a statement and then you can say whether or not you agree or not. The old, so when I was in my, certainly when I was in my teens, but then in my twenties, I will admit when I was in, when I was in elementary school, I read war books all the time. Now reading war books is one thing and then seeing what war does is a whole different thing. But like I read... The history books I read all the time I, I if you gave me a book about d-day I you know I read every book I could about d-day when I was in like fifth grade I read this the the longest day which I think and then I read the book that was based on uh a bridge too far I think it was called a bridge too far uh I my favorite movies when I was up into my mid to late 20s was war war movies I just loved them for all the right and the wrong reasons. I have found in the last, mm, I would say, two years, I can still watch war movies. Um, although I'm less inclined to watch them because of what we were just talking about. I just, I don't think it's something we need to be uh, romanticizing. <coughs> I am finding it harder and harder to stomach... Very clear violence. Uh, what they would call in British movies, ultra uh, Like Like, uh, camera. The direct. Uh, the guy who used to be uh, Madonna's husband would call it ultra violence. I am finding it harder and harder. I don't know if it's an age thing or a Christian thing, but I am hard. I'm finding it harder and harder to watch that stuff. Now, you're mentioning how hard it is to watch Attack on Titan. And I'm thinking to myself, I wonder if it would be easier to watch because it's animation instead of, like, uh, live action. Because live action's gotten a lot more representative of what... that They show a lot more violence sometimes. Like, what actually happens? You're like, oof, I didn't need to see that. Like, you could have shown that off-camera and it would have been just as effective. Um, so... Do you find it harder – do you think that it's harder to watch because of uh, your Christianity or just an age thing or it's just – it's it's always been hard to watch for you?
1: I think uh, – I loved watching war movies when I was in uh, junior high and high school. Um, I haven't watched a war movie in a long time. I think when I was – I didn't watch movies like... And we've had these conversations like...
0: Uh, well, I just want to be clear. Like, even gangster movie, like... Let's say, like, the Goodfellas kind of movies that came out. Yeah. I would yeah, have no been, like, fine. It. But even yeah, now, 100%. I'm like... Mm, no, I I don't need to see that.
1: Yeah, I have become... I had. I don't think that's an age thing.
0: Because a lot of people get older and they don't have a problem with it. I think it's...
1: Violence has become more, I become more sensitized to violences as I've grown older. I will say that. But it's not age. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily age. I, because I think people all the time can be, I think I, I purposefully, And actually, I, I think that it's a good thing as I have purposefully sent out my feelers or my, or receptors to, to being aware of those things. And to where, like I said, or to where when I watch movies like Saving Private Ryan or I watch Fury, Ugh. I'm very Ugh. adamant about those two movies. So those are two World War Two movies where... I'm well aware of the violence on both sides, right, um, and I don't glorify it. I don't sit there and and I think that that's what those movies were trying to do was to sit there and say, You know i i and I think that's what makes those movies that much more powerful and also at the same time. <laughs> I don't want to watch him ever again. Yeah. Is. Yeah, I I rewatched Band of Brothers and and then
0: it took me like um six weeks. To watch uh, the Pacific. Um, I rewatched Band of Brothers just because I felt like. Uh, it was it it was an it was like a necessity, but it was much more difficult to watch. Then the first couple of times I watched it, like first couple of times it was, it was like, if I'm being like really callous, it was almost like n- nostalgia porn. I was like, yeah, it's World War II. Cause I think when that came out, it was early 2000s. So, you know, we're, it's early 2000s. I'm in my late twenties, early thirties. Um, we're on the, it's, it's around 9-11. It's maybe after 9-11. So it's just like, yeah, you know, GI Joe and all that kind of stuff. Huh? So I would stand by. It. it was like it was kind of nostalgia porn, and now when I watch it, I still watch it, and it's just really hard to watch. And then *The Pacific*, which came out after that, and partially because Americans, most Americans don't know this, we hate the Nazis because, understandably, what they did to Jews and Gypsies and all that kind of stuff. But the Germans fought a much cleaner war, and we're actually talking about warfare. The Japanese were really nasty. And you see that in full effect if you've watched Band of Brothers. You're like, yeah, I've read the books. I've read Band of of Brothers and I've watched the the show. And then you watch The Pacific, which is based on two books, uh, two autobiographies, and you watch that thing. And it is a whole other level of hand-to-hand combat, like, Violence, and it's it. I, I would say it's one hundred percent on. Per, it, it, it's it's purposeful because yes, the combat in the Pacific was worse. And so the first two times I watched it, I knew it. So again, I rewatched both this fall. I rewatched the the uh, Band of Brothers, and I was telling all of our friends, I rewatched the Band of Brothers. And I can't talk myself into watching the Pacific, and then I finally did um and i got through it and it was it was I, look i think it's still rewarding to watch this stuff partially just because you'd be like so you don't have a nostalgic <laughs> view of what world war is but i agree with you i my wife and i saw fury in the theater i have no sense to rewatch it i saw a uh, private ryan in the theater i have probably watched it seven or eight times afterwards but i will tell you this i went i saw it in the theater with my best friend from high school his little brother who is younger by two or three years we we watched in a theater on the way home all three of us were sobbing in some way and i take i don't apologize for that at all and i think I think in large part, that was because when that movie came out, uh, late 90s, even in the late 90s, let's say that movie came out in 98, if you were, if you're my age, uh, even my best friend's little brother, who's like three or four years younger, you've largely grown up on basically World War II nostalgia movies. Where you might see some level of violence but it's all you know it's you know it's like some guy like choking on his own blood or something um nobody had ever seen the beach scene you know we'd all read books about the landing on d-day we'd seen maybe the longest yard or maybe the big red one which was a little bit more violent but no one had actually ever put that on like, yeah, you're getting killed before you ever get out of the landing boat. And then, <laughs> and but that's not even the hardest part of the movie. The hardest part of the movie is the end of the movie right? where they're doing sticky bombs and all that kind of stuff. And it is just...
1: No, it's when the sniper gets stabbed. And the, yeah, the sniper's the...
0: up there and the sniper... No, it's and, and then it's Adam Goldberg getting the knife... Oh, like, it's Adam Goldberg that him. gets
1: the knife pushed through him from the um, guy that they had.
0: Yeah, saved and from and you're just like, okay, yeah, this is what it actually is, and so you might have lived on twenty years of war movies and like being told the Germans were terrible, but to just like live it for two hours as close as any human being had ever done. And then Drive Home, yeah, everyone, I will admit, every, all t- three of us in our 20s were just, like, sat, sobbing, sad, sad, just like. <laughs> that was. And that was after uh, Black Hawk Down had come out, which was also pretty realistic. That's I mean, a, that's not a.
1: That's a sobering movie. That's world. a
0: sobering movie, and I had read the book before the movie, well before the movie had come out. But even, you know, uh, Private Ryan just, like, put a whole new bow on it and then Banner brothers comes out i was like oh that's even
1: worse and so i think i will and i mean i want to speak to that where it's like i think Hawk black, Ho- black hawk down everybody knew that story it was like blah, blah, blah. i think the hard part about the d-day invasion is it, we always romanticize it and there's nothing romantic about saving private ryan if you're sitting there and having a. Uh, no if anything that's the criticism
0: of the movie is it's trying to very in a very strained terrible like english junior high school way of trying to romanticize like you need to earn this like the whole like my criticism of the movie is the whole earn this bullshit that's in the movie that's it starts with where the guy feels guilty did i really earn all these guys dying for me and the end of the movie like earn this is like I don't need to see that, 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 that even, even that is an American spin on war. of Just like, no, just present war being just a horrific hand to hand combat, people killing people in some instances, people dying of their own, not even stupidity, just bad happenstance because they make a bad sticky bomb and the bomb goes off in their hand. I mean, that movie presents all of the bad ways one can die does die in war and my criticism of saving private Ryan was actually trying to put this American spin on it like the baby boomers earning what their the greatest generation had sacrificed like fuck that I don't need I don't even need that moral
1: guilt put on this thing that's ridiculous no I think let's just take people dying as for what it is yeah I've never uh, the dying in one Well, and actually, that's why I actually... War really-
0: at the end of the day is 20-something, eight, well, nowadays it's tw- 2018. It is young men dying for reasons they don't really know other than they are trying to survive along with the people that they are most friends with in the immediate group that they're with. That is all it is at the end of the day. And then it's society trying to justify a bunch of people killing each other, which goes back to what we were talking about. The, the Titan thing is, I'm going to justify it because my little island is great and everybody else is evil because they're using the Titans. And if we would just eliminate all the rest of the people, we'd have a free world while... The irony is, is everybody outside the island is if we just eliminate these island militaristic crazy people devils, there would be no war. That pretty much encapsulates every fucking human conflict that there is. Yeah, it's it is one side misunderstanding another
1: side. And one side and and like I said, you watch the show and you're gonna sit there and and you're going to side with those main characters where it's like you don't know what they've been through. You don't understand what it is that they've had to experience over and over and over again for you years, know and years and years and years. You, you know what's insidious about that? And and I mean
0: that in a good way. Oh, yeah. And this is why I think this is an important show to bring up. If we're really being honest, and I, and I'm, and I am not bringing this up to justify it. I'm bringing up this is... This is the whole point of the thing. One could do that exercise with the fucking Nazis and the Jews. Yeah. That is what... The Nazis just didn't come around and say, well, Jews are bad. They came up with whole, a whole bunch of reasons as why the Jews need to be eliminated. They they were the reason why we lost World War One. They were this reason. They were this reason. That is no different than what you're laying out in this show. Right. And if, you know, the Japanese are being honest, they did the same thing. We would have no problems if we didn't have a Chinese problem or a Korean problem. So you know what we're going to do? We're going to eliminate the Chinese and we're going to eliminate, certainly eliminate the Koreans by just raping our way through Western China and Korea to completely eliminate them as a, as a species and yep. as a racial group. Because they come, came up with some reason as to why they were aggrieved.
1: I'm reading a fantasy book series on that right now. I am. It's literally about it's literally about the rape of Manchuria. Like it's a fantasy series. It's absolutely. It's like it's a fantasy series that is based around the rape of Manchuria. <laughs> I know that seems kind of weird, but like it's it's the Chinese's. Resp- I don't know.
0: I, I think those are great ways to do it because it puts you in uncomfortable ways of thinking about
1: things. It is the beauty of science fiction and fantasy writing where it is and actually this is me and my dad talk about this as being one of the greatest the greatest movie series of all time. We love to go see these movies. Um, We've watched them together and I think there's a new one coming out. Uh but we're big fans of the Planet of the Apes series. Mm. Um, Absolutely.
0: It's a very much goats and sheep and us versus well, and
1: it's, But it's still the idea of what people need to realize is that when it comes to sci-fi and fantasy, they spend reality to talk about fucking reality. Yeah. When you read... Animal Farm, or you read 1984. Those are expansions of reality to talk about reality. Where it's like, you may sit there and say that's far fetched, but there's a lot of it where you're like, oh, that ain't so far fetched.
0: No, look, those two books were spot on because George Orwell was a communist and he knew how communists thought and he distilled communist thinking. Into two books. Now, my problem isn't with George Orwell. My problem is Americans or Westerners taking Orwell's book and two books and turning it, then flipping it and making the mistake of turning it into now the commies are others and now we get to de- demonize them rather than it being an understanding like this is a threat the, the, these are things i mean these are warnings that we should look out for these are warning signs 1984 is still a warning sign if the government's saying one thing and it's the opposite that is the you know that's the crux of the 1984 uh, the crux of the of animal farm is you know demonizing groups of people and saying well you know they're outside the group that is absolutely a less that's a human lesson and at the time it was a very important lesson for westerners to understand against communists but again my problem is we need to be aware of those things on our side and i don't mean just like like right versus left or left versus right is where are we demonizing others and saying they're less than because
1: they don't vote the way i want them to vote or 100 percent. watch these shows or watch i was like i'd encourage you to read books yeah but if television is the only way to go about it there may be something to be said about watching a, an anime or two if you're if you're skeptical about them where it's like maybe watch one or two of those where we're talking about a political agenda, or there's something there's a there's a broad message that they're trying to stroke like i said there's there's been lots of animes that I've watched where again, it's about this idea of how do you break the cycle of hatred um, but I think that this one has done it the best um, and it was the most pop and it is this anime will define a generation um, in two thousand and twelve is when this anime came out. It didn't finish until this last year in two thousand and twenty-three. Um, it's only, like I said, it's only four seasons. Again, they they hand draw everything. It's it's animated. It takes years and years and years. And actually, what was crazy was in two thousand and thirteen when I first watched it. I I think two thousand thirteen might be when it came out. When we watched it, I was like, When's season two coming out? <laughs> We had to wait until 2018-19 for a second season to come out of this thing. So you're looking at five years of waiting before something finally came out about it. Um, And it will define this generation – like I said, when I said if you're under the age of 35 and you don't know about this, I'm expecting you live under a rock because everybody under the age of 25 has probably seen or knows somebody who has watched the entirety of this show and has talked about it on a regular basis. Uh, it is the most popular anime that has ever – that has come out in the last 10 years. Um, Yeah, you're looking at
0: some. I'm. I have a. I, I. I have a similar point to make. So there's a show, a movie on Netflix right now called "Leave the World Behind." Uh, my wife and I watched it. It stars uh, Julie Roberts and uh, what's his name. Yeah. Anyway, it's got people you recognize. Uh, Ethan Hawke. It's got Ethan Hawke
1: uh no 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 keep it with people you recognize that's great <laughs> um
0: anyway it's basically about it's this civil the basically civilization civilization ends in the middle of this movie and we're not really sure why there's all kinds of, there's talk about it there's hints about it And I'd watched this movie. My wife and I watched this movie together. It was very haunting. And then I started and then I made the mistake of listening to podcasts and reading commentary like about the thing. And it was it all got political. Oh, the Obamas were behind this thing. And so it all became political. And I had to reset my mind and be like, all right, I'm going to I don't care about all this noise that I'm hearing about the show. Because the thing I took away from the movie is, so I'm gonna do a spoiler alert. so if you haven't seen Leave the World behind on Netflix, then stop this and go watch it and then come back or I don't I don't give a shit. So we have this end of the world. they're out in like uh, Long Island, uh, the Hamptons, this this family the they were, the Airbnb house. The cup the guy who owns the house shows up it's kind of like elusive as why he showed up <clears throat> it turns out he kind of knows something's gonna happen the world ends like all these things are happening like the communications ended there's weird things where all of the uh Tesla cars all the self-driving cars are self-driving to intentionally like clog up roads so people can't get anywhere yada 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 the scene that I found was interesting was the there's a guy that we meet earlier in the movie. It's very clear if you're like clued into movies like like you're watching the movie like they're gonna tell they're t- trying to tell me something. We stumble upon this character played by Kevin Bacon <laughs> that it's very clearly he's a prepper, <laughs> and Julia Roberts is like, oh, he's a weirdo and he's a prepper. So I'm watching this and I'm like, okay, clearly they're telling me. It's important that Kevin Bacon's a prepper, so I need to,
1: like, put this in the back of your mind. Also, well, how many degrees out are you? Exactly. How many degrees out from Kevin so, Bacon are you? So, we find
0: out. <laughs> so, yes, Kevin Bacon's a prepper, and because he uh, he's a prepper, the non-preppers have to go to the prepper to get some medicine that the prepper has prepped for. You got me? Yeah. Okay, the point is in this scene it becomes like a life or death thing. Oh. Because Kevin Bacon doesn't want to give what he's got up for these other folks. And in the process of the scene he tells the other people who are trying to get what they want from him hey, look, if you really... If you really want to go save yourself, go to this rich couple's house and hole up there because that guy, I, I have it on good authority that they built basically the end of the, an end of the world bunker, which we find out at the end of the movie they actually do. Mm. So it's like two days later, we've watched this thing and I asked my wife, so what did you think about the movie? And she's telling me what she's thinking. She And her ideas are really solid. And she said, "What did you think?" And I said, "I took that movie as a never-ending it's, it's a humanistic view of the never-ending cycle of violence because the the two couples that actually find end up whoa, they're one of the couple's daughters, but you infer that these two the, the two families are going to go live in this bunker are going to go live in the bunker. But I'm thinking of this going, yes. But if I game if I game theory this thing out, Kevin Bacon, who knows that the bunker fucking exists, and owns more guns than they do, he's gonna run out of his stuff and then go decide to take the bunker over. That was my theory to the movie. Is like when the world ends, it's barbarism awesome. and Results. shut up Siri. <laughs> shut up Siri. When barbarism, when the world ends, barbarism ensues. Yeah. And it's just a never-ending... I don't even know if it's when the world ends. I don't need to send... I don't need to... You know, she said, do you think they'll... I said, they'll probably... If they're dumb, they'll do a sequel. And we'll see the sequel. Kevin Bacon will come and try to take it. I don't need to see the sequel. I know what the sequel is. The sequel is what I just said. Is Kevin Bacon... Because he's the prepper and he's got fifty guns as opposed to them and knows how to shoot them, he's gonna go. It's the sur- the survival of the fittest, the mightiest. That was what I took from the movie. <clears throat> but then I was reading all the stuff and everything was political and it was oh, those what Obama wanted to tell us and what the right wanted to tell us. It was like, no, this is all just like when the world descends into might makes right, and. Us versus them again. Getting back to the Titan thing, then violence ensues, and it's nothing but horror for both sides, including the people who end up winning. Yeah, I agree. And if you're the if you know game throwing this out, you're the Kevin Bacon guy, and you murder two two families worth of like eight people, and yeah, you can tell yourself at the end of the night. That I'm taking care of mine and my daughter's safe and my son's safe, my wife's safe. But no, somewhere down deep inside, the spark that Jesus has in all of us, there's some level of either guilt. It's two things. This is And this is the thing if we're being really real. And this is where people go. And this is the part that the Bible talks about. You either give in, you either give in, to the devil or you give in to jesus and this is what it is you either give in to the guilt and you deal with the guilt and hopefully that guilt then leads you to jesus and you ask for forgiveness yeah or you tell yourself i'm unforgivable i've already committed these things i'm already a fucking devil so i might as well live just lean into it and continue to be the devil that i am and you terrorize
1: whatever society you live in. Well, I can't wait for you to watch this show, Tim. I'm definitely going to watch it's it 80, now. It's 89 episodes, like I said. Uh, 87 of them are half hour. Uh, so um, that's actually a pretty easy watch uh, for most people out there in the world. Uh if you told me – if I – I don't think I'd ever recommend it to anybody. Actually, I just probably wouldn't even watch it if it was 87 hours of <laughs> – I was like, no, I'm not watching that. <laughs> well, there, I, look, I – there's
0: no point in watching anything or reading anything unless there's some kind of funny – it can be funny. It can be like satirical i don't seinfeld and i I watch seinfeld and curb your enthusiasm religiously over and over again because they are satirically still there's some kind of morality out of it it's not and i wouldn't even say it's you know it's just like a humanistic morality um there's no point in watching anything unless there's some kind of morality out of it yeah to your point like I guess to the point of the older adults are like, look, if we're gonna watch a cartoon, there must be something redeeming or
1: satirical about it. And I'll say that it gets deeper probably than most television shows will will get to you, in my opinion. I, I mean, most television shows, in my, if you're watching reality TV, I'm sorry. I'm not on that. Yeah, I'm not I don't on. Try, I don't want to try. To I'm not on either. that train. So, I was like, don't get me wrong. When I was growing up, we used to watch Survivor quite a bit, but that's a reality competition show. Like, you know. Uh, yeah, there's a little some level of morality, but I don't know if it's a good morality in that show. I was like, the only reason why we watched it, I loved. I was like, as far as why I watched it, I like watching people compete. That was really all it right. was. Like, I just like watch people compete. So, um. That, I still
0: remember the first survivor se-
1: season. I never watched that
0: season. We came in The I, first season I Ford did not season, I, I did not watch the first season, but one of my business partners did and he was watching it religiously. And he kept coming in every week and saying, "Somehow this fat gay guy keeps going through every episode and I can't figure out why because he's just
1: horrible." I think there is something to be and said he was about the <laughs> one who ended up winning. Richard, yeah, I thought,
0: Richard somebody. And I, I was like, yeah, because that's not how the world works. It's not the nicest guy. It's the guy who plays everybody off each other. And, and I mean, the first season I remember was when it was done. I remember it was uh, our business partner, uh, uh, Mike. And Mike was like, I don't understand how he won. I was like, read fucking Machiavelli and you'll understand why this guy won. He's like, what? And I said, all right, Mike was a bit of a, I love Mike, but Mike was a bit of a meathead sales guy. I was like, Mike, read Machiavelli and you'll understand why the fat gay guy won, who nobody liked. And then I think after that, it changed a bit, it was more of a, it was still playing people off each other, but, yeah. So there's a little more
1: popularity. Well, anyway. I think we need to wrap up tonight. Yeah, we do. How how long are we at? We're at 350. Fuck. <laughs> we didn't get to one. Oh, hold up. We need, we need to specify this to our audience. One, we didn't get to the 20 questions we were supposed no. to get to tonight. Two, we didn't get to the third hot topic that Colton had no. for tonight. Which – we will be doing next week. We will do the third
0: topic and we will do the 20 episodes. Be... How these all get dropped onto the internet, I don't know. <laughs> we'll
1: figure it out. We'll figure it out. I'm very happy It'll with all tonight's episode. So.
0: But if you're listening to this episode, this show, this not just this episode, but this show, because you think it's just some sort of like linear uh very logical stream of thinking then you can fucking go to hell. <laughs> oh wait, there was some other lot uh, there's, there's some reason to go to hell.
1: I don't remember. This is about Dave Chappelle. <laughs> <laughs>